Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Wow, Doc's so excited about today's show that he didn't even bother to show up. Yeah, he's staying home. <laughs> he's like, wow, Jamil's coming and uh, I'm not. <laughs> I think is what happened. I'll listen from home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least he usually, even though he's late, he slides right in under the gun. Or he calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, I hope he's alright. He's MIA. He, didn't he go to a big brew today? He did. So he it, could uh, be passed out. <laughs> In the back of his Hummer. <laughs> Quite possible. Uh, good thing about that vehicle is that about eight people could pass out in the back of the Hummer, so uh, that's, true. that's a good thing. Uh, today's show is the official third episode of the Jamil Zanishef show. How about that? I like, I like how you said that. <laughs> Great trilogy. Yeah, Jamil, episode three. <laughs> Welcome back, Jamil. Thanks for having me. How's everybody feeling today? Great. Good? Yeah. All right. Uh, sorry about the late start at home there, folks. Uh, we were giving Doc just a little chance to get in the studio. and then uh, We had a tap of keg of beer. <laughs> and we were also tapping a keg of uh, Jamil's beer, so that's going to be good. What a show we've got planned. we got to get moving because we're going to be here for hours today, I fear. Uh, you East Coasters, I apologize, are going to certainly end up listening to the to the archive for the second half of the show because we got so many questions just in the forum and sent to me via email, and John's got a good list of questions and doc's got some segments if he ever shows up and uh i just don't know how we're ever going to get through it all jameel uh it's a marathon show for you today buddy i'm up for it i'm ready okay i'll i'll make some i'll brew some tea for your throat later in case you 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 end up answering so many questions that you get sore or something uh be all right then okay so uh we ought to just get right to it um don't forget that at 6 o'clock, we've got our tasting. It's Heineken today, so get those suckers chilling. And hopefully you went out and you got yourself a bottle uh, and a can because uh, we're going to do both. And um, I think that it's going to be a big difference between the two. Sure. So that's what we wanted to do. So get your Heineken ready for that. We've also got some listener tastings coming up this hour. John, did you bring your listener tastings? 
I did. You did. Yeah. Okay. So John's got a couple. I had some sent to me. I'll talk about that in a little bit. We got those going. And then also, I think just after the Heineken tasting at the six o'clock hour, we're going to make our big announcement. So don't forget about that. We got the big announcement today. What's the? I can't wait. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited, and uh, we're not revealing it until then. Right after the Heineken tasting, we're going to give you the big news. All right. Yes. So everybody, just uh, stick around and hang in there. It's going to be well worth it. You're going to be happy, as as are we. Okay. Oh my God! You've got mail. Kick ass. Let us do some of the mail service. I know the chat room is a little slow today, too, folks, so I just wanted to let you know that, uh, give it time. It, right at 5 o'clock, we get so much traffic there that it's a little slow. If you can't get in at 5, uh, you'll get in eventually. So there you go. Uh, good stuff in the news today. I just weeded out a couple of stories, and uh, one of them I thought would be uh, particularly interesting uh, to Jamil, and, and the others are just my, my good old regular... Uh, Crazy news stories. All right. Did you guys know that uh, you can use yeast and and then even just some sort of like spilt beer to produce ethanol, uh, like fuel grade ethanol? I mean, and there are actually plants in this country that do that. And in fact, Coors uh, is affiliated with an, with one that just opened in Colorado, and I believe it's the second one. Coors and Aurora based engineering company Merrick hosted a ribbon cutting Friday to mark the expansion of their ethanol production facilities in uh, Golden, Colorado. It's a two and a half million dollar fuel grade ethanol plant officially ta- tapped on Friday, and it relies on Coors beer as a key ingredient. Uh, and, and the ethanol ultimately will go into front-range drivers' gas tanks. So basically, where does the beer fit in? The two plants process yeast condensate, a waste byproduct of the brewing process. Merrick buys the condensate from Coors, which pipes it over to the ethanol plants. It's a very high-alcohol condensate stream. We strip the ethanol from it and make fuel-grade ethanol, says Merrick Vice President Steve Wagner. What was a waste stream is now a good revenue stream. And the plant also uses a relatively small amount of beer that's been spilled during the packaging process. Most fuel-grade ethanol produced in the United States comes from corn, but this is a program that allows it to come from uh, brewing byproducts. Hi, Doc. Hi, Doc. <laughs> Welcome to the studio and the show. Hey. <laughs> Good to have you. We were worried. I thought maybe you got in a wreck. Uh, I had some issues before I left. Uh, the neighbors were over. We were uh, trying a few beers. And, <laughs> and, um, and then uh, my oldest son uh, was opening the... I have a Snapple refrigerator in okay. the garage. The whole door came off. Oops. <laughs> it's a double pane glass, thick glass Ooh. everywhere. Your oh, son's yeah. all right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's okay, okay but yeah. man, what a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm looking at this shards of glass everywhere. I'm like, well, That's I could rough. just leave it. <laughs> so I, I had to kind of sweep and clean. Oh, wow. Fair enough. No problem. Um, so anyway, did any of you guys know that you, that you could make ethanol from spent yeast and, and different beer products? Doc, you must have known something about that. Well, I think isn't the uh, what they're doing is they're squeezing out the last of the, they had, the beer yeah, out of the exactly because you're not going to get the ethanol exactly out of the happening. yeast. It's out of the what's left in the grains. Oh, it says the yeast condensate. There's a yeast condensate that comes out, and it's a waste byproduct of the brewing process. And that Merrick buys that condensate from Coors, and yeah, and then squeezes out the last of yeah. the ethanol from it. That's so, got to be a lot of yeast. Yeah, coming out of Coors, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then they make Vegemite. Squeezing. And then they make Vegemite <laughs> out of it. Squeezing. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Hence the banjo music. I just thought it was interesting because uh, it's just another good... You know, the, all of the byproducts of brewing are, are reusable in one way or another, and I like that. And, and this form is even better because uh, a nice clean burning fuel and, and don't have to take it from other fossil fuels. So I, I actually like thought about seeing if the goats would uh, chew on my spent grain. Why wouldn't they? I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Well, you you got to try that. Of course they would. Spent grain's good for uh, getting rid of rodents. Is that right? They can't metabolize it, and it'll kill them. So do they, like, explode when they eat they just, it? Yeah, like rats and mice will just I, die. I was wondering about Man, that that's because great. I, I dump mine yeah. uh, kind of off the side of the house into the into the uh, ditch over there. And it's, it's, you know, it's grain. It's going to go. And I've seen some rodents running around in there. I was wondering whether I was feeding them or killing them. Mm. You're killing them. <laughs> that's great. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Jamil, what am I drinking here? Your beer. This is uh, an American brown that was hopped with Amarillo mm. that uh, I use. I was experimenting with uh, US 56 dry yeast. Yeah. And uh, I made a, f- a month or two ago, and this is just what's left over, and gotcha. I had nothing else to bring. And It's uh, damn good. I like it. It's, uh, I like it. Right. It got a little shook up on the trip over. Got all yeah. shook up. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It was brilliantly <laughs> clear. It doesn't <laughs> Doesn't look like that anymore. My pale ale that's in the carboy over there, not quite ready, uh, has got the Amarillo that you gave me in there. So right. I'm hoping that that comes out nice too. This is good. I like this beer. All right, let's uh, finish up my news here. Evolution debate hits the beer aisle. You guys, remember the the beer label controversy happening in Connecticut uh, not too long ago that I summed up last week. Well, this is another one. Uh, controversy over teaching evolution in public schools has been bottled up in a most unlikely place, the beer aisle. Wasatch Beers is changed the label on its 2002 unofficial amber ale, a title that once raised a, ruck- a ruckus with Olympic officials, is now Evolution Amber Ale. And the company says the change is inspired by Utah legislators and the debate here and nationally over whether public schools' evolution lessons should be balanced with intelligent design or the idea that life is too complex to be explained by Darwin's theory of evolution alone. Wasatch Beer's founder Greg Scherf called a counterculture brewmaster in a company press release said the new label was intended to be lighthearted. I guess some people are going to chuckle out of it. I don't see anything funny about it, Butter said. But anytime someone tries to sarcastically exploit issues of morality in those kinds of ways is very unappealing. But it doesn't bother me, whatever they put on there. Basically, the label that's now un, uh, it's um, Evolution Amber Ale features, they show the whole process of evolution. There's the monkey and then the bigger monkey and the bigger monkey. And then there's finally a guy carrying a six-pack of evolution amber and taking a drink of it. It's great. It looks, it's a it's a brilliant label. Uh, you can probably just do a Google for it, either for Wasatch Beers or Evolution Amber Ale. I'm sure you'll find the, lo- uh, the, the logo there at home, but it looks great. But now they're arguing over it there in Utah on whether or not it's an appropriate label to have on a, on a, on a beer. And, uh, they're basically saying, hey, we're gonna keep it anyway. You know. Which I think is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, who cares? What were the size of the guys? He ends up saying, uh, what were the size of the, uh, evolution guy? Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. Uh, the guy says, really our intention was not to make anyone mad. Our intention was to sell some beer with a funny beer label. We don't have any issue with what people want to believe. We just believe religion should be held in religion classes and science should be held in public school classes. 
Again, I like when beer people get involved with like the politics of the moment and what's, especially when you're dealing with craft brew, right? Because it's it's a very local thing. These are breweries that are going on in those cities, and if a debate comes to a head in those cities, I like it when they you know they take a little stab and do some funny stuff to kind of get in their point of view. I don't mind it. I know it's just beer. What but he just said though, he says I don't want to make any waves with this, and now he's going to make a funny beer label. But yeah, but then he goes on to goes, say, "This is this, and this is that, and that's the way it should be." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess you're okay. right. It kind of does both. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Caller, you're on the air. Good. Uh, just here drinking a couple of homemade beers, uh, having a good time. Joey Prosca here. Oh, no. who are we talking to? Joey Prosca. Oh, hey, Joey. I think I got an email from you today. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I email you all the time. <laughs> nice. You sound like you've been drinking for a couple hours, Joey. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that a boy. Gotta, yeah, gotta get liquored up for the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, for the show. Um, we're working on catching up to you. Brewing. You're home brewing right now? Oh, of course. What are you making? Uh, beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Where are you calling from? Uh, McKee's Rocks. New York? PA. PA. Yeah, I, I, I detect a little bit of a accent there. Yeah. Yeah. Got the strong A's. Yeah, we um, we got started about a month and a half ago, and uh, things have been brewing well since, uh, of course, your help. Ah, cool. Well, glad we can help. Oh, no doubt. Um, Everything's been uh, flowing well. Uh, I mean, without you guys, uh, things would have been um, not even foaming. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to know we're helping out. Although, don't say that till you've actually tried the beer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have. I mean, we tried it tonight. It's like um, 8.5%. Oh, it's uh, working then. Uh, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. I think you took too much of my advice and maybe yeah. not enough oh, of Jamil yeah, and Doc's. Actually, <laughs> actually, we're sending you uh, 22 ounces right now. Yeah, do it. Beer in about a week. I'll drink the whole thing right here on the microphone. Oh, no doubt. It's coming your way, and uh, when it happens, I want you guys to enjoy it, because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be brewing. Oh, that's good to know. Right, I, thanks. I appreciate that, Joe. Yeah, thank you. All right. I got to yeah. get going. Is there anything else you need? Uh, no, nothing um, nothing special. All we want to do is thank you. Uh, we just want to thank you uh, for home brewing. And, uh, Absolutely. Hey. We're going to... Uh, you're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to um, celebrate your... Uh, <laughs> keep hey, uh, keep brewing, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just no doubt. All right, thanks a lot. I'm going to celebrate okay, you, you celebrating. Have a good night. Thanks for the call. Hey, you'll enjoy the beer in about two weeks. All right, I'm looking forward to it. No problem. Thank you so much. See you, buddy. Yeah. Bye-bye. That's awesome. That's fun. <laughs> Our work pays off. Let me tell you, if uh, I wasn't the one doing the show and, and, and someone else was doing the show... I'd be doing the same thing, man. I'd be sitting home every Sunday just getting ripped and, and waiting for the show and, and then hanging out and calling in. <laughs> That's what I do. I love that. That is cool. Hey, uh, Miller Brewing Company is accusing Bud Light of changing its formula. Although I don't know that that's a crime or anything. But, uh, <laughs> Why would they care? Uh, well, it's part of their battle to gain some market share and also just boost beer sales huh. in, in, in general. Uh, in, the the mac- in the macro world. In the macro world. The latest fight in the U.S. beer battle is a matter of taste. Miller Brewing Company says rival Anheuser-Busch has altered Bud Light in the past year to make it more bitter and bubbly, uh, rolling out the claim about Bud Light in national television ads that began airing Friday. The company said data it has collected show Bud Light's bitterness and carbonation rose from last year. Anheuser-Busch called Miller's claims another marketing ploy and complained to cable networks that the statements are false. 
Now, 10 of 32 cable networks contracted to run the commercials have put them on hold while awaiting substantiation of the claims. Uh, then they list a bunch of the networks that aren't I doing smell, it. I smell lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> Miller says, all we're saying that they're doing is that they changed Bud Light and that Miller Light still has more taste, Marino said. Ooh. We need to be very diligent in protecting our taste claim. Anheuser-Busch said Monday it has not altered its winning formula, however. The company added, Our brewmasters constantly make small adjustments to address seasonal changes in raw ingredients. Bud Light remains the highest-selling beer in the world, according to St. Louis-based Anheuser-Busch, which also controls nearly half the U.S. beer market. Wow. Yeah. And basically, Miller just put out a bunch of negative advertising about how their beer is good without changing it, and Bud Light has has felt the need to, to change their beer. So. They change it every year, <laughs> yeah, just to make it the same. That's true. So. I had another funny one, but I can't seem to find it. Yeah, that wasn't something very funny. <laughs> there wasn't nothing funny about that. There's something about a, a a guy was holding somebody up. He, he was robbing him, holding him hostage, and he. That's funny. And then he made them hold his gun and his beer. <laughs> I was like, yeah, "Can you hold these Freeze. for a second? <laughs> and uh, then the whole thing was over. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole story. I don't even need to read it. I just remembered it. Awesome. It was like five lines. It said, robber asked hostage to hold his beer and gun. Well, hostage got away. <laughs> you know, that was it. <laughs> Happens all the priorities. time. Yeah, that's fun. You know what I just realized? What? I played the intro to uh, the feedback segment. Yeah. And then I read the news <laughs> instead of the feedback. <laughs> well, do it again. Yeah. yeah. Can I play the intro again? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right with you guys? Yeah. The Fine. phone call threw me off. It's all right. Oh, my God. You've we go. got mail. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. I mean, what's the point in having the thing if I don't use it in the right place, right? It's not. I'll go, I'll go twice. Yeah. Doc no. doesn't mind the extra not banjo. All. all right. Only a couple of emails this week. One of them you're going to like, Daniela. <laughs> Here we go. Hi, Brewcasters. Great shows, as always. Really great the archives are coming up on Monday, or Tuesday for us Aussies. Um, makes keeping up much easier. I'm sure in traffic, people wonder what bloody radio station I'm listening to with all these Yankee voices. <laughs> I think you should include Daniela as one of your quote-unquote Brewcasters, as her input to the show is valuable and should be signified. Thank you. Cheers. Case Perth from Western Australia. Thank you, Case. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, she's go. got her own microphone. We did give her our own microphone, but he's right. In our in all of our promos where we announced the brewcasters and, and even in the newsletter that I send out, um, which didn't get sent this week, by the way, um, it says it says the brewcasters, John, Doc, and Dr. Scott. It doesn't say Daniela. Throw her name in there. So I'm going to have to change. I've been making yeah. some changes since I got this email. Don't worry. That's so great of you. <laughs> That's emancipation right here. Yeah. Really proud of you. Good for you. <laughs> Damn, that's good. Well, we don't want the right? INS coming in here. Dr. Scott, yeah, good to so have you here. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't like to announce you too much. I'm worried for your own safety, Daniela. Doc's yeah, right. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had the first one of the night. Yeah. That's a big middle finger there. <laughs> And it won't be the last one, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and then the last email I've got here, a lot of praise. Uh, I won't read through all of it. Oh, uh, please. But it's very nice. You can read it after the show, Doc. Okay, okay. Um, I'll just basically say that this person saw a posting on the AHA forum and has been listening ever since. Uh, I'm not sure if we'd be thanking Jamil for that. Yeah, or we should. Beer that, was, Pal. That, that was the one. That, that was, was that one. It was 
Jamil. All right. Good work, Jamil. It's working. And uh, let's see. He's not been able to listen to a live broadcast, but burns all the archives on CD and listens to car into in the car. We have a lot of car listeners, yeah. which uh, majority probably. I never expected that that would be kind of the outcome of this thing that that we'd be drive time radio, which is like in in FM land, in 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 terrestrial radio land. That's that's the big that's the big gun, that's the right? Big there. daddy, yeah. So we're actually competing against the big daddy of terrestrial radio Good. with these people bringing a, bringing us with them, turning off their FM yeah. and turning us on. Bringing it strong. I'm thinking I'm going to be sending some episodes to like Sirius or XM or something and see if those boys just want to pick us up on satellite. You know, yeah, do satellite. Yeah. Might have to do some other production things for them. They like you to format things and proper breaks and all that, but uh, could be cool, right? You can do it. I believe in you. We have our own proper breaks. Yeah, that's right. Beer break. <laughs> break, body, body yeah, break. We won't just be able to take a pee anytime we want anymore. Okay. And anyway, he's got some topic requests for us also in this email. Wants to know if we can get some from the business end discussing financing, management, and other issues. I realize this type of person can be boring, but if you pump them up with enough beer, it could be interesting. Uh, maybe your first drunken show where the guest gets drunk, <laughs> which is not a bad idea. We'll all stay sober and get our guest drunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we absolutely can get some business guys in here. I've tried to, to run a, a few discussions in that direction with our with some of the, the guys who come in here who own breweries and get the business end out. I think what happens is we end up with so many brewing questions, it's hard to, to do both. But we could do a biz show for those of you who are interested in starting things up. If they want to well, talk about it, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And some of the guys that we're going to have back a second time, like Vinny. Right. Or stuff. Sean. And, and, you know, they've done that. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can, we can talk about that. They, they like talking about that and all the hard times they had starting out. Mm-hmm. They're still having hard times. Also wants us to get in here uh, maybe a barley roaster, a hop farmer, or an extract maker. Which uh, I think we can do. In fact, I know some of the guys from Hop Union. I'm thinking of giving them a call and seeing if uh, next time they're down here, we can get them in. That'd be cool. Um, and then for the gadget show, he's got a tip for us. Now, this is going to be right up your alley here, Doc. That's that cool. show is going to be your baby right All there. Right. Uh, I have trouble weighing my hops, and like Justin, I hate to have any hops left over. People have been suggesting these electronic scales, and they can be pricey. I finally went to a head shop and purchased one similar to what I had in high school for weighing other stuff. For $3, it was a good purchase for weighing hops. And uh, he makes a good point because those little electronic scales can be kind of expensive. So maybe if we can showcase some cheaper scales in here during that show, it would help some people Uh, out. There's something. One other thing I used to use, uh, I snagged my wife's uh, Weight Watcher scale. Mm. It's a little electronic thing. It's probably, it's not that much, 15 bucks or something. That's not bad. It's electronic. And now I, I use my triple beam now, so... Learned how to use that in high school, I did. Yeah, that's the good one right yeah. there. And but uh, uh, the other one I used for quite a while, you can, it's got a tear on it, so I, I put you know the little paper bowl or whatever I'm using to do the hops. Yeah, uh, punch tear, and then I can just dole them in there. Works out pretty good. But I do, I always do end up running over with hops because you buy them in two ounces, four ounces, and I always I got a freezer full of hops that I got to use sometime. You need to brew an IPA, doc. Yeah, just throw them all in. Just gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to do it, or or I'll take it off. Funky Belgian with some old hops. There you go. Do that. Uh, And then finally, he just kind of that's all of his uh, suggestions for for show topics. But he does say throughout the email in in several different places that 
us young punks do a good job, and uh, we make them laugh. We're so punks. keep up the good work. Oh, <laughs> now we're the young punks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I kind of we, we use it very loosely. Yeah, uh, you're right in the bunch, Doc. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. All right, uh, we got just enough time to take a short break and be right back. Uh, for the break, I want to announce here this. This is going to be a special break. Um, a listener. <laughs> A listener sent me a song this morning for Daniela. Thought that she would like it. And, really? Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I listened to it, and I think he's right. It's. Uh, Is it going to be an insult? Oh no! Oh no! Of course. Our not. listeners send in insults. What do you think? She'll be flipping. <laughs> she'll be flipping somebody off. <laughs> so I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, have your sense of humor's ready. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a good one. And uh, I'm just going to do the one song, and then we'll be right back. It's a short break. Well, we, we got a lot to get to. Well, can't listen to it and uh, take a break. You can your, listen and take a break. On. You'll be all right. Can you turn the monitor on? Here? I'll turn the monitors oh, on. We excellent. can all listen and have a good laugh. Uh, I mean, I mean, enjoy the song. <laughs> That's somebody's expense. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, get your Heinekens ready at the 6 o'clock hour. We're going to do our tasting. We're going to do some listener tasting when we come right back here. And then we got the big announcement uh, right about mm, 6.10, 6.15, right after we do the Heineken excellent. tasting. The big, big announcement. Super El grande. <laughs> All right, everybody feel good about that? Good. Daniela, this song's for you. I hope you enjoy oh, it. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> it's the Brewcaster Sunday Live Show. We'll be right back. Yeah. You're either going to like this song or kick my ass after the show. <laughs> Misled. See, I'm a little concerned For I recently learned Of the swastika tattoo on your head And it makes you smile When you hear Zeke Heil You love the smell of a burning cross in the yard You do goose-step salutes In your dark Martin boots And you quoted Mein Kampf In our fifth anniversary card I think you're a Nazi, baby are you a Nazi? You might be a Nazi, baby. You keep extensive files on the Nuremberg trials, and you watch them whenever they're airing. I guess I should have known when you bought a new bone for your puppies named Goebbels and Gehring. You showed up late to our very first date. I said, how are you? You said, white power. Call me paranoid, but I'm not overjoyed When you ask me if I want to shower I think you're a Nazi Don't be lying, baby Are you a Nazi? Are you anti-Zion, baby? Your every dress is monogram SS You hold an Aryan picnic and bash and it makes me irate when you say I look great When I wear a little tiny mustache Your social politics say that races don't mix And you call it pure blood pollution And whenever I'm sad you say it's not so bad For every problem there's a final solution I think you're a Nazi Give me an answer, baby 
Are you a Nazi? You drive a fucking Panzer, baby. You say that love is blind, so how could I have guessed? But then again, I met you at the Wagner Fest. I know you're a Nazi, and that's why I'm leaving. I know you're a Nazi. Sure as my name is Stephen Lynch Bergstein. You're listening to three guys. Excuse me, what about me? Yeah, sorry. You're listening to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. You like your song, Daniela? Oh, it was hot. very funny. <laughs> it's great to be a German, isn't it? <laughs> You're an easy target as a German, you know? People can make fun of you for just everything. Man, I didn't even listen to the whole song. Oh, I got man. through like three lines and just <laughs> laughing my ass off. I just said, "That's I don't need to hear anymore. I'm playing it. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. All right. Uh, see, I even put you in the promos now. You're officially a brewcaster. Thank you. Right, you're welcome. I got promoted after seven months only. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you had to put in more time than anyone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jamil showed up for five minutes, and we're like, sure, you could be a brewcaster. <laughs> Daniela sweats over the keyboard every week. <laughs> ah, well, what can you do? Yeah. All right. What we got here is some uh, some listener beer. Now, this one was sent in by Paul. And uh, Paul's from New York, I believe. And uh, he sent us in five beers. Only four made it. One broke in the uh, the box afterwards. Oh, that sucks. It does suck. One broke. Uh, the guy sent me three. He sent me three CDs of music plus the five beers. The CDs were all doused in beer. I, I salvaged them though. I washed it all off. But here's. I want to give another heads up about how these possibly sat out in, in the warmth for a bit too long. The way FedEx delivered me the package ultimately was they they wrapped it in a plastic like garbage bag oh and and left it on my doorstep. So I thought for like 5 days that it was my roommate's garbage that he was too lazy to take out to the to the garbage can. When finally I asked him I was like, you know, hey Dude, you, you gonna pick up your garbage off the porch or what? He's like, I don't have any garbage on the porch. So that's when I went and looked at the bag and realized it was a package sent in by Paul, that's and it boring. was his beer that had been spilt all over. So uh, if there's any sort of you know left out in the heat, bad tastes, it's Probably. not Paul's it's, fault. It's mine. It's all just. <laughs> but he would like you to know. He says, "Here's some homebrew and some music to me. Please remember that these batches are PJ or what he likes to call pre Jamil." But they are all great. <laughs> You're a legend. <laughs> so it's his pre-Jamil batches, what he has sent us, um, and then we'll f- let's narrow down what didn't make it. So does that mean he threw everything out the window now? <laughs> I th- and he's started all over. All over again. I, I think so. He sent us a stout labeled S. Do we have a stout? I have an SP. But no S. No S. Okay, then that's the one that didn't make it. Okay. Uh, because he also sent us a porter labeled P. I got P. A smoked porter, SP. Mm. 
a Belgian gold, golden, Ooh. and a wit. Okay. All right. So Go. all we're missing then is the stout. That's the one that didn't make it, huh? Okay. Let's do the wit first. Let's do it. Open those guys up, and we'll give a tasting. Work As me. usual, we love it when uh, when when these guys send in beer to us. All you listeners, uh, anybody can do it. We don't uh, intend to rip them apart and make anybody feel bad. Although we will tell you if there's problems, so that you can you and, and everybody else can improve. And we, and, we uh, we've had some really good ones sent in. So uh, you know, don't don't think that everything that comes in here we is don't in, just, in, you know, intentionally ruin them like. Justin. Like, yeah. like I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't leave them out on the porch like I do. All right, so we got the wit poured here. We're going to take a little smell. You can send them in. The address is right on the website if you guys want to send us beer. So uh, please do if you want to be evaluated. Mm. Go ahead, Doc. <laughs> well, the first thing smell, I smell it's kind of grassy. Mm-hmm. I haven't tasted it yet, but that's what I get. It's inviting. Yeah. Doesn't taste old like I thought that porch might have done to it. Mm. Slightly peppery, yeah. citrusy, which is that's uh, that what I was thinking. That fine for a wit. It is a little peppery. That's the taste I was trying to figure out there, right in the back of my tongue. <laughs> I get like a soapiness, a little. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. I get a hard bitterness, right? right okay, so uh, so far we've got pepper, soapy, hard, bitter. Any cardamom. Yeah, uh, it could be the spices. I don't know what what he put in them. So the wits can run the gambit. Yeah, so. with the spices. Paul, give us a call if you're out there. If you want to talk about your beer, we can figure uh, out what the ingredients I can, I can. are. And go ahead, Doc. Hmm. I, I can taste the spices in there, especially. It is it is a touch too bitter for a wit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that, that could come across from. It does. The coriander, I think. Maybe right. too much coriander in there. A bit too much, yeah. I'm getting a lot of coriander, maybe too much coming off of it. It's the coriander that's uh, that's kind of combined with that pepper well, taste. The coriander is yeah. peppery and pepper. very citrusy, yeah. too. So it kind of adds into the whole citrus kind of thing to it, and, and it is kind of bitter. Yeah, coriander seeds are a completely different flavor than... Uh, Coriander leaves, so coriander seeds tend to be like pepper, like black pepper. So I, I usually grind mine up in a, a coffee grinder. Use a coffee grinder for a lot of stuff. But you know the spices are are pretty good, and uh, it's not overpowering. Yeah, I, I think overall the beer is pretty good. Uh, just a just a touch too bitter, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to try it balance. fresh. You know, not not porch aged. Not porch aged. That's <laughs> where I put all my beer to age it. Just right out on the porch. Um. Got the question from the chat room here if we got a package from Brooklyn, and I'm pretty sure that's what we're tasting. I think that's where Paul's from. It's Brooklyn beer we're, we're drinking. Would have been better aged on his porch. It's nice and cold out there <laughs> than on mine. What do we got here on this one? Which one are we tasting? This is the Belgian. The Belgian, okay. Nice. Belgian golden ale, he says. Hmm. It's really dry. You can smell the uh, alcohol there. There's a lot of, a lot of alcohol. Justin's learning. Ooh, he knows what that smell is now. Yeah. Well, it looked like it fermented in the bottle. Yeah. There's, there's, a, it's very, there's a bunch of yeast on the top of the neck here. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's very fizzy. I wonder if he added yeast uh, to... Or he has something wild in it. Or something wild mm. in it. Does it yeah. taste like something's wild in yeah. there? Yeah. yeah, it could taste... It's uh, When it, when I feel it, it's like kind of sour yeah. and very dry. The first thing I think is uh, a infection. I'm thinking sour fruit. Mm. What it kind well, of you get that from the leftover from it being the Belgian Golden. 
But yeah, I, this I, one, I, I don't think that's a yeast infection. I think uh, the bottle was probably laying on its side or upside down. Yeah. And that's where that yeast comes from. Because when you get a yeast, a wild yeast, it, it tends to form a, a crusty, yeah. crusty ring. Mm. And I don't see anything, you know, like a crusty ring in there. And then um, this one I think is pretty good, too. I, I think the alcohol is a little hot. And it's a little little bit much. If it's young, I'd let it sit a couple of years. It is hot. I'm thinking if I held a lighter to my mouth right now and did a burp, we'd get a little, we could do one of those flames. Let's try. We should try that. (laughs) You want to give it a go? I got too much facial hair. (laughs) I think that could get ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Make great pictures for their website, though. That's true. And I'm down for the entertainment value. Burning down the house. Yeah. Yeah, Let's try another one, huh? What else we got here? Pass me your cup here. All right. All right, so now we've gone through the Belgian Golden and the Wit. What do you open here? The Smoke Porter, maybe? Porter the Porter, the regular well, Porter. So far, they're all drinkable. Yeah, they are all yeah. drinkable so far. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that, Paul. Um, but we're not here to, you know. Telling you, it really just might have been my porch conditioning that uh, did well, some yeah, of those weird we're, things. We're taking that into consideration, too. So Okay. All right, I think Paul's going to call us up, too, I'm being informed also. Uh, hey, Jamil, you know anything about a pic that was uh, posted about you being worshipped? Somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear about that. This is, I mean, neither. Matt. This is a question from Gucci. Matt, Matt, Matt. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do software, too, and I go to software conferences for the software that I develop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of those folks are... are <laughs> They they love the software, and uh, that, was at, that was at a conference in 2002 in Edinburgh. And so the only thing beer-related in that was that I was hitting the the pubs each night in edinburgh and uh yeah uh just i added some feature that some guy really loved and he wanted a picture or something like that i don't know it's and they made a worshiping picture of you yeah you know <laughs> somebody brings out a camera you gotta you gotta look out you know so hey uh who's our photoshop gurus in there uh, one of them's definitely um crotch rot i would love yeah. to see like a like a little jameel shrine that we could print out and, and and hang up here in the studio <laughs> that'd be hilarious <laughs> uh just for my own amusement that is i think this might be mislabeled. <laughs> uh caller you're on the air hey justin is this paul that's me hiya paul how are you i'm doing good i'm glad you guys finally got the beer we and got it and we're drinking it man good uh sorry i left it on the porch for a week <laughs> <laughs> well it seems like it even took him maybe Two weeks to get to you guys. Yeah, I think it took a while. Here's what I was impressed about, and you sent it FedEx, I think, right? No, I, well, I went to uh, the United States Postal oh, Service. And okay. Put in the automated, where you little open up. We have in Brooklyn. You can just open up and throw in the box and close it, and not talk to anybody. Oh, I like that. I don't like to talk to people outside of the radio. Or uh, stand on the huge line here in Williamsburg. Right. Well, here's what I was impressed about that. It obviously broke in transit, and it was obviously a package of beer because it was a porter that broke, and it was sticky, and you could smell it. And they still shipped it. They didn't do the old, you know, you're not allowed to ship across state lines kind of thing to us. And it was shipped to the Brewing Network. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A good point. Yeah, Yeah, they still dropped it off, so I was happy about that. I mean, I would have been happier if they didn't break it. You, but, it might, it uh, might have dro- it might have broken the truck on the way over. Yeah, that's now nah, because he had it all. He wrapped it up in a bag and everything. You know, I had to do a couple. He's, of he's dropped things Minneapolis, before. Atlanta, and I haven't had problems, so this is the first time. This is the farthest I've ever tried. Okay, all right. I'm about to taste your porter here. These guys are already drinking. It. Oh, oh, this one's I a think smoked, this isn't is a smoked it? Smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Smell. I was gonna say. I'd like to hear what you think about the smoked porter. Right, that's that, what that's we're tasting. Where you thought we were drinking? I think you got the labors mixed up. Yeah, you do. I'll tell you one thing. You know. 
if it took three weeks for your your beer to get here warm, uh, you're brewing pretty clean because I don't really pick up a lot of contamination mm. no. off flavors, and I think uh, you're you're doing a good job there because. Three weeks of sitting warm, being shaken up. Uh, Kill any a, beer. A lot of a lot of beers would be, uh, you know, uh, from a lot of homebrewers would be sour and uh, phenolic, and yours aren't. I think, you know, you got some adjustments to do on process and uh, and recipe maybe, but other than that, you know, you're you're you already got the the most important part down, which is like sanitation and, and yeast and. And so, uh, you know, pretty, pretty darn good, pretty impressive to, to send out well, and sit on the porch you. for the a week. the hard part I had this time, we had a, a hot couple spells this summer, and a lot of, I saw the wart was getting a lot over 80 degrees, and mm. I was having a hard Still, time Still, it's, it's... That's hot, huh? That's probably on the Belgian that, was that wit, got hot, huh? Yeah. That wit is really high diactyl. I don't even like drinking that, so... Okay. I wanted to see if you guys could, could sense that in it, so... Yeah, we got that out of it. That, yeah, the, so yeah. that's probably that high peppery coriander thing you guys thinking yeah, from the temperature of that fermentation also or other stuff? No. Yeah, Could be. Depends on the yeast. Yeah. What, what yeast did you use? A Belgian wet yeast? I Actually, yeah. I did a 10-gallon batch and mixed that up with a Hefeweizen that actually turned out really good. The Hefe turned out good, but that wit was just a little too much. Mm. Yeah. Now, this but porter. Smoked porter. Smoked porter. I like the body of it. I think it's right up there for a porter. The the I'm have I'm confusing the smokiness That's bacon. with mustiness also. Right. You know what I'm saying there? It, it kinda tastes what? like bacon. You think it so? Well what what's a Roush beers taste like to me? It's okay. bacon. Well hick, hick, hickory smoke. Hickory. Pounds yeah. of like the twenty four pounds, so how many? How much did you smoke? I smoked eighteen pounds of the twenty four pounds. What did you smoke it with? It. Dude, you smoked I smoked that. it with a hickory and the skeet. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's agree. the hickory that I'm getting. That's your bacon taste yeah, right there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, hickory is is bacon. Is 18 pounds a heck of a lot of uh, grain to have smoked? Uh, I do about three pounds an hour, so it took me about five hours. Well, how much wow. did you use in the brew? Uh, 24 pounds of of the so smoke. 18 of 24 yeah, was I did smoked. Wow. Three pounds of smoke, the, three pounds like well, six degrees of but, wheat, some you know, chocolate. Smoke is really tricky, though. You yeah. Know, it's very hard to get a, a consistent level of smoke in grains, and even the the mass produced, uh, you know, uh, it's not overly smoky by any means. Yeah, it's, it's it's still fairly restrained. Yeah. Pretty pretty good job. I, I actually like the balance of smoke, the mm-hmm. malt, and and chocolate. But, in but there. it's that that hickory that I can always taste. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd prefer something other than hickory, but. Hmm. I've actually let that but sit for about four months because when I was first drinking it, it actually smelled like when you you throw up and you catch in your mouth and swallow it again. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, love oh, yeah. that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. called a verp, <laughs> like a vomit <laughs> and a verp. That's disgusting. So it's, uh, it's much better in, uh, four months after than when I first tried it. So. <laughs> Settles out a bit. The regular porter you're tasting now. Yeah. Is that this right in front of me here? All right, now we're t- tasting your regular porter here, Paul. Uh, the regular porter, I tried doing a lot of just uh, medium crystal malts instead of making it real dark. And uh, mm. uh, this is just the third time reused yeast of 1056, mm. so, and just Northern Brewer and Cascade. So it's just a very simple, easy-drinking porter. Okay. My friend calls it a pussy porter. He says you can drink it anytime. It is real light like that. Yeah. It's a very light body. Yeah. Brown more than black, or is that the light in here again? Uh, it's your eyes, man. Yeah. No, that's all right. It's, it's brown. It's the brown to the me. The color's cool, but uh, you're right. It's it just not as assertive as a porter probably should be. Like a like you a very, label very hoppy, hoppy porter. Very hoppy brown porter. Mm. That's yeah. what I like. It. Yeah. But, you know, who says you got a brutal style? It's not, yeah. it's not no, a it's, bad beer. 
It's good. Brian Hunt doesn't say you have to, that's for sure. <laughs> he, he says you better not. <laughs> just ask it if you want to know who says. So, okay, wow. so, so you get to you get to name this. What kind of beer is this? He just called his a black beer. Uh, you call yours a brown beer? They called it a pussy porter. There you go, the yeah, PP. Like it's, <laughs> it's like an American brown ale, if, yeah. if I was categorizing okay. it. You know, you don't have to brew to style, but... You know, uh, oh, I, I think I think people people should take advantage of all the work that's been done yeah. by a lot of brilliant judges and uh, brewers in that style guide and read it and try and understand what's gone before. Just like an artist or a chef mm-hmm. to learn to be a great chef well, and, and to do a new style, you need to understand what's gone before. Well, I think the styles are there for a reason, and a lot of it has to do with because these have floated to the top. Yeah, because it's all about balance and all about right. what flavors are going to be there. And the styles that didn't make it aren't there because right. maybe it wasn't well, balanced or was it too this or too that. And you can always push the envelope. Well, the new styles have been added to the style guide right. this last, you know, every few years. They, you know, it, the style guides are, are more for judges, mm. just guidelines. It's it's not for anybody to brew exactly what they're saying in there. Right. They're trying to adjust to what people are brewing. And yeah. that's that's the purpose of it, to give guidelines for judging they're not evil guidelines yeah so and they're not you know (laughs) although it's more fun to refer to them that way yeah they're not (laughs) evil guidelines but but you know understanding what's going on in the rest of the world in brewing that's that's uh you know a pretty valuable thing and really helps people become better brewers understand the ingredients yeah yeah hey thanks for sending us the beer paul I Great think uh, overall none of it's bad yeah it looks like not a bad job no no not none of it's bad so, so six months of all grow grain. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep learning. So the, the best way. Are, you, are you glad the day you went over to all grain? Uh, I'm just glad I have a backyard here in Brooklyn. It looks like i got to move soon, so i got to find a place. Uh, so I'm a little It's difficult to find a place to move or it's dictated on your brewing needs. Oh, yeah. No, it's called California. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks again for having Jamil on because I've just learned so much from him, and it's really uh, uh, motivated me and helped. I know we had to uh, drag him back in here. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's cool, man. We're glad you enjoy it. Yeah, I was uh, waiting at the door two hours early. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoy the music because there's some good music. I just barely salvaged it. It was covered in uh, stout. <laughs> I had to. I had to wash all. I played some of it on the blue show this morning already. Oh, I was out watching football. That's cool. I appreciate you sending it in. You got it. All right, Paul. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. Thanks, buddy. Nice. Listener beer. Nice. I got more. All right. So now we've got something from John. This one was handed to you, right? It yeah. didn't sit on anybody's porch. Handed to me. Cold storage. <laughs> it was cold. Okay. It's from Andy Malcolm. It's okay. An, it's a Scottish 80 shilling. And is that this right here? Yeah. Okay. And then I, I guess you got uh, first place at Foam on the Range. I believe it was. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me have a taste here. First or second. No, I can smell it. It smells like candy. It smells like sweet caramel. This yes. Is. Yeah, it's like a like a really strong candy smell. I think. I like it. Yeah, it's. it's I would. I'm not a sweet beer drinker, mm-hmm. but there's nothing. I, I don't see what's wrong with it. It, it. It's just real sweet. It's really sweet. What kind of beer is this supposed lot, to be? I think there's a lot of crystal in it. A lot it, of crystal. Yeah. I thought the initial aroma was a little off for a, for an eighty shilling, but the uh, flavor uh, is is much better. Mm. Pretty darn good. It's got a. Got a nice uh, caramel malt balance, and uh, for eighty shilling, it's not not too sweet. And then uh, there's a little bit of a minerally to it, but uh, mm. overall, pr- pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. What did he win with this? I know he plays in the so. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm super critical of all the Scottish. I was gonna say so, yeah. this is what he wants to look at. So. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty darn good. It's a good beer. Real, it's just real sweet. It, yeah, this. There's better. a particular. It's like a Christmas candy. It's this little hard yeah. hard candy yeah. that that's exactly what it smells like. I don't know what they're called or anything. I don't really eat yeah, candy, but. It's it's a weird little, little taffy, Christmas little candy. Ones, yeah, yeah, like the, that. Yeah, the, That's what it smells yeah. like. Little taffy Brown things. Taffy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm. Caller, you're on the air. <laughs> hey, what's up? Hey, who are we talking to? Hey, this is Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, not much. Joe, Joe that we already talked to, or different Joe? This might be the, the actual Joe instead of the imposter Joe. <laughs> the real Joe. Whoa. The real the real thing. That's a company over and they decide they want to call, so you know how it goes. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh anything exciting going on? Just drinking and hanging out? We're just drinking my uh first home brew and stuff, so it's pretty cool. Oh your first one? Yeah. And how does that come out for you? I don't know, I like it pretty much. They they seem to like it. They've been taking over my like all the other beer I have on tap here, so it's pretty good. Oh, that's good. That's always a plus. I hate it when yeah. you you know you get you got people over and you offer them your homebrew and and they tell you how much they like it and then when they go back for another beer they look in your fridge for something else. They've been avoiding everything else. I've figured out kinds of beer and they've been picking mine. So. That's a good thing. That's a good sign. I really don't like them. I'd rather you tell me, hey, that tastes like piss. Thanks. <laughs> and then they go grab another one. I don't mind that. Just don't tell me you like it. You know. So we're talking about yeast here and stuff too. Yeah, we'll be talking yeast. You want? You got a question already? Uh, not exactly. Okay. <laughs> we're not, we're, we're not to that part in the show yet. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right though. We got so much about yeast, man. Uh, the whole second hour, aside from our tasting, we're swimming we, when in we it. do the Heineken is gonna, actually probably the second two hours is gonna be all yeast stuff, so. Uh. I don't know, Heineken, huh? I had that the other day and it tasted like bananas last time I tasted it. Really? Well that's one I of the things know. we want to be picking out. We're doing it to uh, be able to pick out things on the palate, so uh, that's that. That would be good to know. We're trying to get a beer that everybody can get across exactly. the, across the states or the world. Or it's all for learning purposes, not because we're Heineken fans necessarily. Yeah, I understand. This isn't high yeah. school anymore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sometimes it is though. Wow, things I, are ringing all over. I got it. Okay, thanks for the call, Joe. No problem. See you, buddy. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right, cool. I love it when people call in. People yeah. hanging out and drinking. That's yeah, good. that's a good thing. Quick question uh, while we're drinking these beers here. A couple came in from the chat room. One is uh, from a new listener. I just started brewing from extract, and no matter what I make, I notice a common taste. I taste it in all homebrew. What causes it, and will it go away if I move to all green? What taste is he talking We're going to know what the taste is. You guys know that. I know what he's talking about. He's talking about that common homebrew taste. The, the that, caramely, that caramely, that caramely, sweet sugary taste. Yeah. That, yeah. that just you get in almost all homebrews. Although it's, I don't. It's more recipe process than it is the ingredients. You can make excellent homebrew with uh, extract. And, okay. mo- and most new extract brewers go off of other people's recipes. And there's, there's there's ways around it. Okay. If you're going to stay an extract brewer, some people are extract brewers for years and years, and there's ways around it. I've tasted some people that just have gotten around the issues of extract brewing that just just killer beer. Okay. And I, I was amazed to find out that it was extract, but I know exactly what that that taste is. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, is you, there you, is there you, any particular thing in the process you could you could point out that he might might change that goes along? It's not a bad flavor. I don't. Th- that's not it's what a home he brew means. Flavor. But it's that homebrew flavor. Uh, I think one thing is most new homebrewers do that concentrated wort boil. They're they're 
you know, doing yeah. a three gallon boil when they're making five gallons Heavy of beer. Heavy caramelization. And, 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 the, and they'll boil the whole thing for 60 minutes. Yep. And it just caramelizes it down and you're going to get those. Okay. So, but if you're doing, brew a porter. Yeah. Uh, it makes a great porter that way. Okay. Um, but if you're brewing something lighter, you're going to have some issues and you're going to get that kind of stuff coming and, through that you don't want. And start with a, a light, a high quality light extract like Alexander's, uh, Extra pale that more beer sells, or go with the Brees uh, Golden Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know those are those are some of the lightest, uh, highest fermentable, you know, low caramel get, extracts out there, and they shouldn't cause a problem. Yeah, at get all. your color from steeping the grains. Don't necessarily go w- with a dark extract. They have dark extracts right. out there. Don't you, use dark extract. You, you don't need to do that. Use a light extract for most of your fermentables, and steep your grain. Just the, like the the English light kind of extract, because there's there's yeah. American. There's lighter. an in between too. Should you not use uh, the in between? You should you should only use the if if you're going to steep grains, you should only use the lightest, okay. most fermentable pale right. extract you can get. It's good to know. The other extracts for people who are going to do extract only. Yeah, you're not going oh, to be steeping grains. Yeah, because you won't get any okay. color out okay. of a real light one. But right. if you're going to steep grains, you're going to get a lot better flavor. Okay, and you're not going to get that caramelized flavor that you're going to get from the darker. Stuff. All right. So, uh, mm-hmm. if at all times, just try to get the lightest extract you can. Use that as your your basis. Okay. And yeah. then, if you can, do a full boil instead. And of a full a boil really full helps. Boil is, yeah, I that agree. really helps. Get you know, spend the extra money. Get the big brew pot. Um, you can have family members only over and do spaghetti. You yeah. know, a couple times a year and make it worth your while. Makes it worth it. Yeah. I'm not uh, putting any of that stuff in my brew kettle. But the other thing that uh, <laughs> I'm just really – That's what you tell the wife yeah. when you buy the thing. Yeah. The other thing that really, uh, you know, in a lot of homebrewers, when they're starting out, it's fermentation problems. Okay. And so you're talking about something that didn't uh, ferment completely. Yeah. And so it's that under-attenuated wort taste. Okay. That people associate with homebrew. Okay. He did, I think, he did I clarify he was talking like. about the sweet smell and taste, which is what and we're so referring to. So a lot of good fermentations. A lot of home brewers don't take an original and a final gravity either. They just, you know, ferment it for five to seven days and then they make beer out of it. Why do you always have to talk about me like that, Doc? <laughs> Why do you always have to point me out of the I crowd? Don't, I don't know. It's like, well, what was your finishing <laughs> gravity? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was, what does it look like? It I don't done. know. <laughs> All right. What are we drinking here, Joan? This is the second one of the of the listeners? This is uh, Gary Foster's Porter. Okay. Another one that's... Uh, it smells like a butter brown. finger. Candy. It does smell like a butter finger. A lot of sweetness going around in here today. You're so sweet. You are too, Doc. Yeah. I got his uh, Pro Mash recipe here. Although I like that. Hmm. Doesn't taste quite as sweet. It has a little backbone there. No, it does. It's, it's a little smoky backbone character that, that I think uh, mellows out the sweetness r- when you taste it. in there to, to balance it out. Yeah. What do you think about that, Jamil? This beer. Yeah, that, I agree with you uh, on all counts. Uh I think it could be a and little there, thicker. There, there is there is a little bit of butter buttery yeah. to it, but uh, diacetyl type of buttery. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and a little a little bit of the caramel, but uh, you know overall, you know when you when you combine it all together, that's pretty tasty. Yeah, I, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to drink I'd, some. I'd like it a little more body to it. Yeah. Not a lot, but it's a little on the thin side. 
I would say if you didn't know the beer and you didn't know what diacetyl was, yeah. I think it's a very No, you could, you could e- easily beer. pass over that. I would definitely drink this yeah. beer. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, and, uh, you know, uh, but we're trying I don't to make mind a touch of diacetyl in certain beers. It really rounds them out. Me too. Uh, you know, we're trying to make this a, make the next one better for them. Mm. And it's it's a decent beer to start with. Don't yeah. don't change that part. It's yeah. it's pretty good. You're just saying maybe a little more bo- a little more body there? Yeah, maybe some carapils mm. in there. Yeah, he's going all green, right? Just going all oh, this, grain. Is, this is all green. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, is, there, is there carapils in, in there? Increase your, your temp two degrees. I yeah. stopped using carapils because. Yeah, no carapils. If, if you're doing uh, all grain, uh, just bump up your temperature two degrees. More. Your mash more, up to you know, yeah. mid mid fifties. What, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I like like 154. I like to have some body to my beer. Yeah. You're the 154 guy, so yeah. <laughs> uh, just to yeah, clarify. I do <laughs> Let me go back to the last question about the extract taste real quick. Um, now, we already said that uh, you know doing a full boil will help. Using the lightest extract you can find will help, or doing a porter like Doc mentioned. Uh, but aside from those things, the second part of his question was, would going to all grain uh, solve the listener's problem with that, with that sweet flavor? Not necessarily. Okay. Again, if it's a fermentation problem where things aren't attenuating fully, Mm-hmm. Then you know that's that's a problem you got to solve yeah. first. It, uh, it it will make a difference. Will it make a really big difference? If you're ready to go to all grain, go to all grain. You will taste a difference. But there's but some, you'll, there's, you'll, there's issues along the way too. Um, you got you got to be good those. enough to make uh, extract essentially better than Alexander's or Brees can make extract. Yeah, that's that's the trick. When you go to all grain, the, that grain you're mashing, you're making extract. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta make it better than those companies can do it and ship it to you. And right. You, you can make extract oh. beer a lot better. You can better. make a really good extract I mean, beer. There, yeah, you know, there's, you know, late add additions to the, to the boil yeah. with your extract that'll help quite a bit. There's a lot of things. Well, like you were saying, Scott, I would, I would get a big boil kettle. I get maybe a, a wort chiller, a immersion chiller. Mm-hmm. Not too expensive. Makes a huge difference, those two things. And, yeah. you know, make sure maybe, you know, uh, a flask and a stir plate, and make sure you're pitching lots of healthy yeast. Lots you, of healthy yeast. Make sure things. make sure the attenuation gets way down. Yeah. There. Make so. sure make sure you got a healthy uh, process going, and those things right there that you can make a great beer. Well, I've tasted some yeah. killer extract beers, and but for the what he was saying, I most of them I can tell it was an extract beer. Yeah, but I but, know, but I've be- had extract beers that I couldn't tell. You know, I've had those have, too. When you have really good ones, yeah, oh, so, that I've oh, I've been amazed. And I, I think it's more just the level of brewer that it, it might is. be. So there's no reason you have to go to extract yeah, or grain. go to all grain yeah. from extract if you're doing killer. There's ways around making a killer extract beer. But both you and I know all grain is fun. It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so every you know, from, the, from the start when I started making my recipe, yeah. all the way till I'm I'm done counting the numbers at the end. There's good. numbers. <laughs> Gary, you're on the air. Hey, thanks, guys. Do you like my porter? I yeah. did. Yeah, I, that yeah, was I a did. nice one right That's there. It was good beer. I, I drank it. I, I enjoyed right, it. So, Tell us about so what's it. What's the consensus? I need to crank the uh, the base mold up a little bit, or crank the uh, mash temp up. Well, Jamil thinks the mash temp, and don't do a lot of things all at once. Do one. Oh no, thing. I change one like one thing at a yeah. time. I, I I'm up with with Jamil on now. Just whatever your mash temp is. Kind of get it up into the mid 150s. Yeah, I mashed at 154 and it held pretty good. Um, check your thermometer. Do a do a thermometer check on you. I I got to calibrate mine every once in a while. I got complacent for a long time, hmm. and oh, I just figured out it's, it's nice equipment. It's fine, and it wasn't. So check on that. You could be mashing at 140, 
49 for all you know. Yeah. yeah and, that's true. I'll check that. And, and do it. Check it. I had to, the car, Doc had me do the same thing. I was carbonation a beer was gun for like the second time, and I wanted to make sure the carbonation it was, was good. right. It was good, and the overall beer was, was creamy. Yeah. It was good. All right, good. I actually cranked the carbonation level up just a little bit before I before I bottled it, so I might need to start doing that with the beer gun. I, I like it that way. I, I thought it was good. Um, like you said, it was it was creamy. Yeah. And um, pushing stouty creamy, maybe, yeah. but uh, it... it Wrong with it, it made it nice. It really did. It kind of. If I was over at your house, I'd drink a pint, probably yeah. two or three. Depends <laughs> well, if I had to drive home or not. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know how many I drink, Gary. How many do you have? <laughs> yeah, so they just send him. I only got about two gallons of that one left, and I just brewed it. So. Well, we appreciate you sending it in. Uh, it's a good taster, good example of a of a nice porter, and and only having to make some small changes there too. So mm-hmm. that was cool. All right, thanks guys. Thanks for calling in. I tell you the, brewer, the it. listeners are, you know, brewing some good beer and sending in some good beer. I like that. Uh, we're getting more and more of it too. Uh, people are shy about sending their beer. That's why I, I try to make you. Uh, well, this we've got two batches in one day. I'm just wondering we how much I actually while. see it. Yeah, I get them every week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's why I like to mention. You know that uh, we shouldn't be afraid to send it in here. We're not looking down on anybody or uh, even tearing them apart. Just trying to help if we're pointing out anything wrong it's really only in the sense of uh you'll be making a better beer when when, when you hear it well you'd yeah. hate it if we just said yeah it's a great beer next <laughs> thanks <laughs> then yeah. really it would be just us collecting beer to yeah drink. you wouldn't want that or, or that's crap and next um even if a good beer yeah uh there's always room to tweak it some and that's why we keep doing it we, because the next one's going to be even better uh, a follow-up to the extract question again. I don't want you to answer it now. I'm just going to give you a heads-up about it because uh, we're going to be talking about this during the show. He uh, just wants to know if, if the amount of yeast pitch would have something to do with that. And I'm just saying wait because uh, Jamil's a big proponent about proper yeast uh, pitching and volumes of yeast and, and what you need to get in there. And uh, we're going to be having a big yeast discussion so uh, he can talk about that. But it's... It's part of the fermentation that he's talking about. If the problem with that sweetness and flavor is fermentation, certainly the uh, amount of yeast you pitch has something to do with it. So just give us till the in the next, I don't know, another 15 minutes we'll be getting into that, and uh, you, you should be able to get your answer about how uh, yeast pitching affects that flavor. So there you go. Okay, uh, let's do our official tasting right now, which is uh, the Heineken. And uh, we're doing the Heineken right now. The Heineken. <laughs> the keg can, if you've got your little Heineken can. So go ahead and get your glasses ready and, and pour them into there. We've got ours out. And, uh, again, the point here is uh, not to celebrate any any beer we bring in here, but to, to help out the palate. So, uh uh, Jamil, a BJCP judge, he's certified actually. National. Um, he's called in before and helped us do that. And now we now we got him here, so it's a, a good choice. Um, so starting with the can, which does not allow in any light, and uh, we're hoping has a different flavor than the bottle, so we can pick those out. Uh, what are you guys thinking of aroma just off the bat? I don't get the usual Hanukkah skunkiness yeah. out of it. Yeah, there's no skunkiness at all. It, it's a got a nice grainy uh, pilsner mm-hmm. malt uh, character, so a little bit of DMS, that which you're going to get with that, that light pilsner. I'm smelling the DMS off of it. I smell more alcohol in this than I would expect out of a out of a regular kind of a buy-it-off-the-shelf type of beer. Well, the DMS has, will have a sweet kind of corny kind of smell okay. to it. So Maybe that, that's that what might I'm be what you're smelling. Okay. I think it's got great aroma. Very sweet, malty. Yeah, nice Pilsner aroma. Mm-hmm. It smells fresh. Yes. Very fresh. Is there a date on those cans, by chance? No, let me check. Hold on. I wonder when uh, they put them it's in. It's a there. nice can. 
you you can take it home with you, Doc. Yeah. You know, there was a time when when you know craft brewers, uh, uh, maybe not the brewers themselves, but the drinkers of craft brew were really shunning anything that came in a can. You don't. You oh yeah. You don't put it in a can. But there's a movement now, and I think it has to do with with a change in the lining of aluminum cans, where craft brewers are really talking about about switching over to cans again because of the problems that bottles have with uh, uh, oxidation and light and things like that. And there's there's uh, you know some people are saying that the next big craft brew movement is going to be to put it back in cans instead of bottles. Yeah, cans cans are a superior package. Mm-hmm. Like it's just weird food. how that yeah. that uh, that's sort of a trendy thing because oh. if you were a fashionable beer drinker, you weren't drinking out of a can but two they, years ago. They but they've been lined with plastic for long time, twenty yeah. years, thirty and, years. But they're lighter; they don't break. Yeah, they protect against the the, the light. The light. Everything. They, they uh, hold temperature uh, or take the temperature of the the fridge quicker. Yeah. Does, does a bottle cap hold a good seal long term? No. I mean, it, it can, but, you know, it's not it, when you're manufacturing millions and you have like a, you know, a tenth of a percent failure on a cap, a crown cap, you know. But you should still be drinking your your uh, beer out of the bo- uh, glass anyway and not yeah, straight pour, out of the bottle. Pour it, in, pour so it, it, into a glass know, pour it from it. a can into a glass. Into yeah. a bottle into a glass. Because, uh, you know, you, every once in a while you end up having a – you're forced to drink out of a bottle, right? Mm-hmm. And you take that cap off, and what do you get but rust in your in your mouth from the, the crown <laughs> yeah. cap where yeah. when it gets crimped, it exposes the metal, and uh, there's Great. a lot of humidity in there. It rusts. If you wipe off the, the bottle on a white piece of yeah. towel or something, you see that rust on there. Yeah. And it's just uh, – so When, you know, when, is, it the, when is it that good. you actually drink out of a bottle? I know when it is for me. <laughs> It's when I get the, the beer, the, the, the chick sets the beer down, and I say, can I have a gla- glass with that? She looks at me solid. funny, and she never comes back. <laughs> so it's either no beer or beer out of a bottle. The chick. Why has it got to be the chick? Because <laughs> the guys know. Sexist. The yeah. guys know. Such well, a what sexist, about, though. Hey, I've, I've, nev- I've never had. Whatever. I've <laughs> never had a, a male server not bring me back a glass. <laughs> it's a male thing. In Germany, That's because they like in, you. In Bavaria, it's actually mouth. very common yeah. to drink out of a bottle. It's very, very common to drink Helles out of the bottle. You mm-hmm. will hardly find anybody that wouldn't drink Helles out of a bottle. You would never, ever, though, touch a beer out of a can. Never, ever. Mm. Never. You would never drink it. It's yeah. just, it's considered being crappy because the can just really infects the flavor of any beer. No. That's what no, Germans no. think. It's because, well, it's because, because the old, Budweiser I mean, the comes old, over and cans. Over and they, <laughs> <laughs> they're fighting that. And it's, the, and it's the old I don't blame them, though. Yeah. Although, yeah, it, it, that's what I was going to say. In the discussions I've been hearing, uh, craft brewer Sean O'Sullivan's one in particular. I was reading an article from him and... and uh, one of the guys, um, not the brewer, not Matt from Firestone, but one of their distributors was talking about it. Um, and it's it's the new, it's that the new cans have a different lining mm-hmm. than they used to have. Yep. I remember I drank a Takati once when I was about sixteen or so, and uh, I drank it while I was in Mexico, and it was out of a can. I was on a I was on a twenty four hour train ride from uh, from Mexicali down to Mazatlan in Mexico, and I I drank. I took two drinks of this can, and I've never touched a Takati since. And it was, <laughs> I was drinking aluminum, and there was no yeah. other flavor. And it left my, my mouth coated with aluminum after I, after I had that drink. Everyone around me was drinking it up, yeah. but I could not get away from this taste 
I mean, it had infused the beer with aluminum. Are you sure it was aluminum? Have you have you ever licked aluminum? There is no doubt in my mind. Yes, like you ever I put aluminum lick. foil in your mouth uh, just because you're dumb and you're trying to see how it do- goes against your fillings? <laughs> I, you know. Yeah, I've done that. Okay, thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a little help with that. Or when it, you don't get the wrapper off the Nestle's Crunch all the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. It was aluminum, hands down, and it was bad. Uh, and I don't know. Listen, I, I'm not going to say that there definitely is a new lining in the aluminum cans. Maybe that's a marketing ploy. But I, that's the talk that I've heard, and that they, they're now treating them in such a way that there is no, uh, you know, crossing of flavors there. I don't know if that's true well, or they've, not. They've been plastic lined for a long time, but they might be improving the the technology behind that as well. Maybe yeah. it's not plastic anymore. The, I don't know. The, one of the reasons the craft brewers don't use cans right now is because it's more expensive than bottles. So now hmm. they're coming out with uh, you know cheaper uh, short run canning lines, right? And uh, you'll start seeing more craft brewing. Well, let's get cans. back to the finish this one off. Yeah, good idea. What are, so? What other flavors you guys have in well, here? Well, the uh, one thing I wanted to say is this is the closest I've I haven't actually had a Heineken can. I've always wanted to, but I never really could do yeah. it. Um, they're a cool can. Like I've, I've had Heineken in Amsterdam mm-hmm. and uh, right off this the is, tour. This is what it's like. Yeah. This is exactly what it's like. It's, oh, okay. it's, this, this is a little old. You okay. can tell it's, it's got a little age on it, but it's not bad. But this is very close to what I got yeah, over there, and it's nothing close to what's in the bottle. Right. Well, we're about to find that out too. Get so, your bottles uh, ready it's, and it's, pour those. I've never seen my my well. wife's not a big beer drinker, but I never saw her drink beer so fast <laughs> yeah, as, when, a, as when we were drinking nice, this at the Honey. Nice Club. balance of malt and it, uh, it is and hops and it's, uh, it's nice. No real hop character, but but it's it's nice grainy yeah, and, and a good but, good malt on the back of my tongue. But it's, it's certainly nice. more you know as far as not having a hop ca- character, it, it's certainly more. Flavorful and, and bitter than just your regular domestic pills. Oh yes. I mean, it has a lot more hop character than that. You know, it's an all malt beer, so it's not. Nice. Yeah, a touch more, just just to balance. But as far as uh, like hop flavor, yeah, hop aroma, not really. Sure. Yeah, there's yeah, none of that grassy or. But uh, you know, it. it's a nice, creamy, well balanced mm-hmm. pilsner. Yeah. You know, really, you know, very clean. It's got some sulfur in it from the lager. You know. Uh, yeast and uh, some DMS, which which is to be expected. And the carbonation's all there, so you get a lot of bitterness from that. Is this, is this the now bottled, the, Yeah, I've mo- got the bottle in front of me here, and already, uh, I hope you This is not as bad as some of the bottles I've had. It's, but you can instantly smell the skunk. too. You got yeast, huh? Yeast and skunk, but it's not as bad as... I've had some bottles that just as soon as you pop that cap, it's... Oh. Yeah, that's skunky. That's It is skunky. That's, that's quite that's skunky. That is bizarre. It's like a skunk with a yeast yeah. infection. <laughs> But so many people, so many Poor people girl. think that yeah. that's what Heineken is supposed. Yeah, and they they well, swear and that, yeah. and they swear there's a different Heineken over in Europe, and they brew they bottle yeah, different stuff for us Americans. The malt mm. is still there though in the bottle, but the the aroma is not. Yeah, I drink the bottled beer on the East Coast, and it's it's by far fresher there. It's fresher. It hasn't been sitting in any light. It hasn't traveled yeah, Skunky miles. enough to to overwhelm any any yeah. pills in your malt character. Even the malt malt is sweeter and not as grainy. Now, what is, let's go over, uh, what is the skunk exactly? It's the light, but what is the light that goes the light, into the beer doing? The light strikes the hop constituents in there and forms free radicals. And it, it will form, um, mercaptans. Mercaptans, which are uh, sulfur compounds. And they're, it doesn't take, it's a very low threshold for these sulfur compounds. And they come across as skunky. Same as the skunk smell. But uh, like uh, Miller Brewing, they actually have a process of uh, tweaking the, the hop uh, acids to make them uh, 
unable to skunk. They block that conversion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so their their hop extracts, with they, which they use, uh, won't skunk even though they're using clear bottles. Well, it's, isn't the same thing with uh, Newcastle? It's, it's proposed that they use uh, extracts too, hop extracts. So they're clear bottles yeah. that everybody recognizes are clear bottles. So they I don't thought get... I had some Newcastle that was skunked down, but it might be my imagination. Could have been, this but I, I've, I've Newcastle heard... tastes better in the can. I've yeah, I'm sure on, it does. On draft, it's much better too. Yeah. Well, especially with a you know a clear bottle, but that's product yeah. recognition. If they went to a different bottle, right. people probably wouldn't. They think it was a different beer, and they wouldn't buy it. This uh, the the Heineken in the bottle is also a little little thinner, a little drier, mm-hmm. and a little more oxidized. That's why I, uh, I get the grain isn't there. One of the issues on packaging as well is in the can, uh, they can they can get them packaged uh, with a little less oxygen than they can in the bottle. Mm. That, that's at least what I had heard at one point. So, uh, uh, you know, that that's also a factor as well. Oh, the can is much better. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. This know, one isn't. You're right, though, Doc. This isn't as skunky as I've had it. Yeah, but uh, it's there. It's there's a big difference from the can to this one. Yeah, I popped a couple of them, and the whole car smelled like yeah. skunk. <laughs> now you know what happens that that corn, uh, you know, that DMS flavor you're telling me mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm that I'm yeah. uh, mixing up with alcohol. That gets intertwined with the skunk in the bottle, right? And and I'm really tasting. I can still pick out the corn, but it's such a different corn from the can. Because uh, yeah, you also got that skunk flavor. It's yeah. like a skunk that's been eating corn. Yeah, yeah. it's a, corn. a skunk with a yeast <laughs> infection that's been eating corn. Oh they God. should put that in their next ad promo. <laughs> their next wait, ad wait, promo it, should say just, it, just drink the can. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the can one was Heineken. Stick to the can. You know, <laughs> Connecticut probably wouldn't let you have that on the label. <laughs> yeah, they would not. And maybe not Utah either. Yeah. yeah. There. Well, they uh, won't let you have an L. Yeah, well, they, they, they do now. I, I tell you, that canned uh, version, I would I would rank, uh, you know, like Doc was saying, there's a slight, just touch of, very slight touch of age to it. But, you know, I'd be in the upper mid-40s, 47. I like that one. I, if... Forty-eight points out of fifty. Forty-seven points out of fifty. I like that. Wow, one. way up there. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a darn nice fine beer. example. It of, is of it's, a, style. It's, it's got a little it's age on it because you know it's bottled version. What style? Bottled version would be twenty was. something. Twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah. I would I would get a twenty-eight on that. But but the the can was just sweet. It was nice. This is like one's, what one's type of style of beer would you say this was, Jamil? Uh, Northern it, German pills. Or, no, no, uh, no, no. I mean, no. Uh, it, um, it's, you know, it, it, it's a Dutch pilsner. A Dutch pilsner. That's what I'm trying to get at. A Dutch pilsner. All right, uh, we got to take a break. Any anything else you guys want to add to this one? Because we got I got questions stacking up already before we even get into the yeast talk. So I want to take a quick break. Awesome. Everybody can uh, relieve their bladders. I wonder who and, gets uh, the Rambo. We'll come back. Who gets the Rambo? I know. Uh, explain the Rambo to yeah. anybody who doesn't know, Doc. That's that's the dump bucket. I yeah. just threw that out. So you did? No, yeah. he's got some more. You know, when you're oh, tasting and you and you don't finish the bottom of it because you're moving on to the next taste, you pour it all in. Right. Everybody pours it all into one thing. You and, can't. You uh, can't drink everything. <laughs> you can't. You can't. We just be slammed. So well, we're getting there. Should make someone drink the Rambo though. Jamil, did you? You should bring a mat home from work so we can actually <laughs> pour it through the mat and then dump it in right. the glass. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the big announcement. 
That's right, folks. Right when we come dun, back, dun, dun, dun. the big announcement. And uh, you guys are going to be happy about it. I am, too. Uh, I've done a lot of work on it this week uh, to make it uh, just ready to go. And, and we're going to talk about it and unveil it when we get back. So a short break, I think a couple of songs, and we'll come back. i got your questions in front of me. I'm not ignoring them. We'll do those. Then we'll get into the yeast discussion. Everybody happy with that? Yeah. All right. You're tuned into the Brewing Network. We'll be right back. And now back to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters. On the Brewing Network. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for. We're back. Can I give a drum roll? The big announcement. I don't have a drum roll. Yeah. You could do that. Uh, With the helicopter. Yeah, this is my chest. The fluttering Ooh. of his little heart. <laughs> he's, a, he's an excited little man, John yeah. is. Here's the deal. Uh, we got a lot of new things coming for January. We're going to slowly unveil them as the weeks go by here. Um, although I guess there's not that much. We could probably do it in a couple of days. But, no, we got more. Uh, we, got- we got lots of good stuff. And uh, one of our biggest things coming is what we're going to announce right now. Uh, the Brewing Network. Um, in, a, in association with uh, Dr. Scott Productions. <laughs> uh, actually, the big news is quite simple. What we've done is signed up Jamil. He's been nice enough to add a show, a, a, a bi-weekly show to our lineup. Jamil is coming to the Brewing Network permanently, uh, along with John as his co-host, to do the style show coming in January 2006. Yeah. Yes, that's right. All beer styles will be covered. You'll be doing it twice a month, I believe, on Mondays. The Jamil Beer Style Show has officially been announced, coming to the Brewing Network in January Ooh, 2006. Awesome. Yes. Uh, I think Oz is going to have to take off another day. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be rough. <laughs> now, we're, now we're looking at Sunday and Monday of programming. Wow. Guys, better start working Saturdays so that you get your two days on Sunday. I already Monday. worked Saturdays. <laughs> uh, that was hard holding that one back. It was hard. <laughs> uh, we've known about this for some time, but it's been in the works, and we've had to, uh, you know, Jamil's been hard at work on it, and uh, him and John have been going back and forth. Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what you got planned for the show in January? Shoot, we're going to be talking about BJ's CP style guidelines, mm-hmm. um, every type of style, subcategories, uh, the 23 beer styles. And basically talk about process, ingredients, proper yeast that's appropriate for it. So A to B, A to Z. Really, it's, you know, yeah, appreciating, uh, you know, what's out there. But, you know, like I said, you don't have to brew to style, but understanding, uh, you know, how you achieve certain things. So really the the core of it is learning how to brew, uh, you know, a particular type of beer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody gives you a target. Can you brew to it? And by doing that, you learn a lot about the different ingredients, and you master the tools that allow you to brew any beer you want. Yeah. And if you if you uh, if you spend time on that, it's it's very rewarding. So uh, I think really that's wanna... the key here mm-hmm. is that uh, it doesn't have to be a debate about whether or not you're you're brewing to style or brewing styled beers. Jamil uh, is an advocate and makes an excellent point of knowing what your tools are. And I think that's where the, the style guidelines help the most. So, man, that's just a great uh, a great way to do it is to go down the style. Now, you guys are going to pick a, a new style each show. Is that yeah. what you're planning on? Mm-hmm. Right. And just going through that A to Z, right? Pretty yeah. Much. And so you'll understand what the beer is like. Okay. And what the style, you know, the range of the style and uh, where you might get good examples. And then all the ingredients that go in, the process that goes in. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't care for that style, you can pick up, you know, maybe some aspect of the style. So, 
uh, dark color without a roasty flavor. How do you get that? Right. Oh, how do I apply that to other beer? I want a American wheat, uh, you know, a light wheat beer that uh, doesn't have a roasty flavor, but it's dark. How do I do that? <laughs> okay, right. well, cool. You can do that. And you do that by learning all these uh, different ingredients. So okay. that's, that's, that's the thing. It'll, it'll be brewing focused. Yeah. So that's actually another, uh, a good key is that for those of you who, uh, you know, come to this show for, for just the information and, and not so much for the, for the fun, which is okay. We have some who do and some who don't. Uh, not that Jim Hill's show won't be fun. It's not what I mean, but he won't be, uh, sitting around making gay jokes the whole time and, uh, yeah, or he may. It depends on how the show's going, I suppose. But you can, and my point is, uh, you, you're going to tune in, you're going to get right to the good stuff and, and get a good fill of, uh, of beer information in a condensed amount of time. And, uh, and that's why we're real happy to have Jamil on, uh, you know, signing up with us to yeah. do that. So do we have a name for it? Uh, it's the Beer Style Show with yeah. Jamil Zanishef. I like the Guild. The Guild? <laughs> yeah. Guild the Lily? Or? No, no, the Style Guild. The Style Guild. Well, you'll have to talk about to Jamil with that. We've not, uh, we've only created one promotional item so well, two promotional items so far. So it could still be changed. Yeah, you know, and Justin has lots of time to do this sort of thing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can have life, all man. the promos yeah. we want. Stack it up, man. Yeah, we will. <laughs> awesome. So put it, put it in your inbox. <laughs> what we uh, go ahead, Danielle. Yeah, you, you, you don't have to raise your hand to talk. You, really? you can you can speak anytime you I'm want. I'm just used like that from our private life. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, in here he has a volume thing. (laughs) Well, anyway, I just wanted to give you guys, and in particular John and Shamila, a little feedback from the chat room about this announcement. Please do. It's huge. (laughs) People go like, woo, and stuff like that. They are really excited. They say um, more Shamil equals more beer, better beer. They're really very stoked about that. They're just a little concerned that they can never go back to work now. (laughs) Anyway, there is two very urgent questions, and I don't know if there's any official update on that. Are they going to be archived, the shows, and are they going to be podcasted? Yes, both of those things will happen. In fact, my plan is to give Jamil and and the the Beer Style Show its own entire page on the Brewing Network website. And um, I'm hoping, I'm still going to coordinate. We're going to have a little talk, I think, after the show today, I hope. You you told your wife you're not coming home anytime soon. I'm never (laughs) going back home. (laughs) Spend the rest of my time here. (laughs) We got him. Uh, What my plan is, and like I said, I'll work this out with Jamil, is he's going to have his own page and he can update that and, and, and really be in control of the content. And, and so that way you don't, nobody has to wait for me uh, to, to update what's happening for each of the shows. And uh, he can really, in fact, he's a bit more net savvy than I am. So uh, a lot of the features that he wants to add will be easily done so. And, uh, yes, they w- our, our, our podcasts are being uh, beta tested as we speak. I haven't even announced that we have podcasts officially yet. And uh, we have so many podcast subscribers. It's unbelievable. And uh, there's actually a problem with our podcast right now that's being worked out. Uh, But that's why I'm beta testing and not actually making it available on our webpage or anything else. Although now you can all go find it if you want. Uh, But but be aware there will still be some bugs. But hopefully by January, all that stuff's worked out. So, yes, Jamil's show uh, will be available via podcast, via archive, in a timely fashion, just like our Sunday shows are now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I guess fair enough. 
Yes. Yes. So there you go. And uh, I'm excited. You know, we get a we get a lot of requests to get Jamil in here and a lot of questions for him. And we heard that, and I think Jamil heard it too, and uh, has been kind enough to. I mean, let's face it, he's donating his time here. Yeah. Uh, it, we're not sending him a paycheck for the show. Wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, that was part of the deal, Jamil. <laughs> and we're real happy about that because uh, I agree. The more access uh, you guys have to to people like Jamil who can get that info out there, the better. And uh, these are the goals for the Brewing Network. So, like I said, we've got some more surprises lined up for you and some more good things coming to you uh, in January. We've got good plans for February, March. Uh, I mean, it's going to keep coming. And uh, this is just our first big one we felt uh, was was one worthy of a big announcement. Yeah. So, I- I'm happy about it, Jamil. I think it's going to be uh, oh, just a darn good time. Well, the folks in the chat are just too kind. They're cool. They yeah. like you, man. They're good people. They knew you better. They might not. But yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, Jamil, you can take your cut out of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> half of zero. No <laughs> family time, or, or what's that? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, we'll send both your checks we'll, at the same time. We'll, we'll commiserate. <laughs> Two thousand forty. If that makes you feel any better. Okay, before we get into our main uh, yeast discussion, let me do just a couple things I had from the chat room from earlier here. A uh, person wants to know, uh, I've got a basement uh, that stays at about 59 to 60 degrees. What should I brew? He says it's too warm for a lager but too cold for an ale. I would like to do a wheat, but what would you recommend in that sort of temperature, a 59 to 60 degree basement? You know, if, if if you just throw a cardboard box over the carboy, that's warm enough for a nail. You know, if you if you uh, you know you chill down your wort to you know sixty seven degrees or so, and then pitch your yeast, uh, the yeast will keep it warm enough. Yeah, they will when, as it's fermented. Box it'll, over it'll, it'll, yeah, give it a little insulation; it'll go up. I just did a Kolsch at sixty two, and it was pumping along. Mm. It 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 finished in four and a half days at sixty two. I think that's a good problem to have too, because I don't think it'll get as much potential off flavors colder than you will. Right. It'll, it might hotter. be, you know, it might ferment a little bit slower, mm-hmm. but it will ferment, right. and you're not shocking well, it by going up and down. And actually, you could you could get yourself a firm wrap uh, yeah. from B3 and a controller, and uh, you know you can do anything warmer than that. Uh, it's it's always better to be just a little on the cold side because easier to warm it up than it is to cool it down. Okay. No, less so, diacetyl, less acetaldehyde. I, you know, I'm with Jamil about fermenting just a little on the cool side. Yeah. Push, pushing the envelope on that one. All right, here's another uh, quick one. I have a brew that when I plug the refractometer reading into ProMash, it says it's at 1015, but my hydrometer reads 1030. Taste test doesn't taste like it's too sweet, and both tools are calibrated. Does it have ATC, automatic temperature compensation? Good, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Could be the temperature compensation. It could be the temperature compensation. I, I would uh, calibrate both of them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just recalibrated my uh, refractometer again last weekend. Mm-hmm. So, well, and uh, that's a lot I'd to say be also, off. Yeah, I, I'd also say, well, you know, as long as your tools are consistent, it doesn't really matter what the numbers are. So, mm-hmm. if your numbers were, you know. 50 and 75 so as long as you know right you know, it's like on mash temp all right so you, you you brewed a beer and your temperature reads you know 154 but it's still not got quite the the residual body that you want and dextrins that you want 
go ahead and make it 156. Well, the recipe said 152. I'm already, you know, no, 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 no. Doesn't matter. Yeah. There's something else in your process or whatever. Just go ahead and uh, adjust from there. Just use it as a as a guidepost. It doesn't. It, it's the, the numbers are helpful in comparing with other brewers. Yeah. But when you're comparing against yourself, when you're rebrewing the same recipe over and over, yeah. You just need to know what's different from the last time you brewed it. Mm. And, and, so, what, and what the differences are going to make when you do cha- do those exactly. changes. But for this particular one, he wants to know whether it's 1030 or 1015. There's um, no it, way to tell if could, they're both calibrated. Could, well, wrong. it could be, uh, you know, in, improper uh, use of the tool. It could be something's not quite calibrated right. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, a number of things. Temperature. Well, one of them's wrong. They can't yeah, both be wrong. Exactly. Well, how is he getting his reading off? Because refracts read in bricks close to Plato. So, I mean, is he reading off of 15? No, no, he's well, pre- he's punching it into ProMash, uh, and that's what ProMash is telling him. So. But he could, you know, possibly the sample wasn't used properly on the hydrometer, you know, or rather on the. That's a big swing. If they were off five degrees, right? I would, I would be suspect about one of the two. This is post ferment, so. uh, Oh, you can't do a refractometer post post ferment. Yeah, you're not getting real. You won't get it. No, you won't get it. There you go. But but again, uh, even you know, ProMash will do an adjustment for you, but. Um, you know, one of the things on hydrometers is people don't spin them quick enough to get the bubbles off. If this is uh, post ferment, uh, mm-hmm. bubbles tend to cling and lift the hydrometer up, and you end up. Is with that a, what you do to get rid of the bubbles? You yeah, just, you end up. You just spin it. Spin yeah, it you spin fast. it, and or you, you can bounce it off the uh, bottom a little bit. I always wait a half a freaking hour for those bubbles to go away. No, and spin it or bounce reading. it off the bottom. <laughs> Well, I try to keep my stupid questions to a minimum. You know, good question. It is a good good question. You do. You just spin that thing. Yeah, yeah. And the bubbles, they just, they just magically disappear. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they they just like fly off. That's awesome. The hell are you laughing at? <laughs> I could see the conversation too. It's just, your stupidity that makes that drives me about you. Seriously, <laughs> I do. I put it in there and then I go watch TV for half an hour and hope that the bubbles go away. Well, I, I leave mine in there for a while as well. What's the rush? No, no hurry. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I'll spin it and I'll look at it and then I'll go and do something else. I come back, I'll spin it again, check it, just to make sure. See, no. you're not <laughs> laughing at your meal, are you? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> She knows I'm just trying to be nice to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but I'm, it, I'm it, spinning. It, it's basically tough to take a refractometer reading after po- post-fermentation. Okay, yeah. so it's likely that his hydrometer is the closer one if it's a calibrated but hydrometer. I, 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 you have to know your initial starting. To yeah. yeah. A, if we started at you know, you 11, have to have 20. starting numbers, yeah. and then when you use a refractometer, you punch that in as well as what you're reading currently because uh, the alcohol thins out the beer. And uh, as far as uh, specific gravity goes, so the hydrometer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's getting a lower reading of the refractometer, which is weird. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Bring a sample, and we'll all test it. There you there go. You go. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and start off our yeast uh, discussion just with a question from the chat room. And then uh, I know that John's got a good lineup of things to, to bring us through it. But uh, this question is about why yeast smack packs and uh, about whether or not, you know, one pack is adequate for a 10-gallon batch. Says he's had mixed results, um, so he's been making starters to avoid any problems. But more than one person, he says, has told him that I shouldn't need a starter with the large smack pack. 
And I think this is a, a good place to uh, get Jamil started because oh, yeah. uh, I can see it. I don't can see get me started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he has a calculator that on his site that says, you know, if you're using Y yeast or White Labs or Dry Yeast, this is the amount of yeast right. You so, want. Uh, oh, a white, uh, y yeast uh, extra large pack is uh, about 100 to 120 billion uh, cells, right? Hmm. Yeah. The y yeast. Or their y yeast, yeah. How viable are they? Right. And uh, well, you can assume they're, it, as long as the pack's been treated well and uh, stored cold um, and it's fairly recent, uh, you, can, you can assume a pretty high viability rate. But the little uh, popper pack in there uh, is not a starter. It's just to prove that the yeast has not all completely died. That's the only purpose for it. Okay. And uh, you really, for 10 gallons, uh, if you go to www.mrmalty.com, mrmalty.com, mm-hmm. uh, there's the pitching calculator there, and that will tell you how much of a starter you need. For 10 gallons, depends on, of course, the concentration of the wort, how how high gravity this is. If it's a high-gravity beer, you can need more yeast. Lower gravity, you need less yeast. But uh, one of those smack packs is uh, about half of what you need for a five-gallon batch at uh, 1048 or 12 Plato. Okay. So you need four of those for a 10-gallon batch. Right. Four. At 1048. Now, okay. if you're making a, you know, most homebrewers are in the 1060 range mm-hmm. most of the time, you're going to need a little bit more. What's with these people saying you don't need to do a starter? Is it just, you know, well, their, their experience? They're saying, hey, mine came out fine, so you don't need it? It's the simpler is you know? better kind of thing. I've always done it this way, okay. and we it don't It all need makes to do beer. That. It yeah. all makes, exactly, it all makes beer. Okay, now, I just was wondering if there was a particular school of thought aside does, from that. Does it, does it make a beer where you go, oh my God, this is fantastic, or does it make I, a beer where you say, yeah, that's a nice beer. That's a nice homebrew. That's a nice homebrew. I don't want to hear. That's a nice homebrew. Yeah, I don't want to hear nice homebrew. I want to hear this is the best damn thing I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. And there's things that are going to make a better beer, and pitching enough yeast is going to do it. Yeah. And you you never know how much of that pack or whatever is viable yeast. If it's been around a little while, if it got shipped, if it's bad, if it's only eighty percent viable, sixty percent viable, yeah, I'm, the vi- only the viable stuff is what's going to help you. Well, I know White Labs fresh out of the refrigerator is about ninety four to ninety eight percent viability, but if it's actually kept out in five to seven days on the UPS truck, it's about eighty to eighty five percent viability. Right. And so you just so th- but for those people on the East Coast that are freaking out about their hey, it's been seven days, it's been ninety degrees. Just do a star, you'd be fine. You have healthy yeast. Well, you know, and I tell you that the white lab stuff is pretty damn tough, and mm-hmm. it 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 right. uh, you know that that's that's some fantastic viability you get even after it's. And then eighty percent's not bad, but company. you you just put your blood, sweat, and tears into this wort, and you want to give it the you know, every chance it can have, uh, and its starter's going to just stack the deck in your favor. Or you've at least put in a good drunken afternoon. Yeah. And and the whole thing about starters is people, people don't do it because they think it's really hard. I've got to do, oh, something really technical. It's like, no. Yeah. Just get yourself a flask that, that can go on the stove, toss in this amount of DME and some uh, dechlorinated water. Yeah. Boil it, wait for it to cool. Drop your yeast and done. That's it. You know, Check the archive last time. I went over my idiot process and Gmail said, yeah, yeah. that's fine. That's, <laughs> so, that's all you need. And, and you're, you're doing better than, you know, 95% of homebrewers. Now you yeah, do it a there. day or two ahead of time and it's just sitting there reminding you that you have to brew. Yep. That's a good thing. Hey, what's the difference between bricks and Play-Doh? Guys. There's a slight difference and they're really close. I used to know the history of this, but that's one of those questions I need to uh, prep. It just prep, came but, through uh, live in the chat room. Yeah, the, the, the difference is, um, oh, which guy, Balling or Plato, uh, you know, ended up uh, 
the numbers were slightly off. Mm. So a correction factor was applied, and uh, that's where the differences between bricks and Plato, they're very close. They're, so they're, which one is the corrected one supposed to be? Uh, Plato or, or bricks? I have no idea. Why do we use, you know, so many different measurements? Why isn't there, uh, you know, just one that everyone uses? They were done a long time ago. Yeah, in the late 1800s. Yeah, I think think Bricks was the first one. Plato came after, and then uh, we've got specific gravity now, which uh, is nice because it's, you know, you could talk about one, two, three bricks, and you're talking about four degrees of specific gravity. It's like uh, grams versus ounces. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, grams are nice because there's 29 grams in an ounce, and so, uh, you know, or 28, 29. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> but who's 20, counting? 28. Yeah, point, yeah I know. Yeah, um, it's 29. But um, and, and you end up, uh, you end up uh, getting a finer uh, measurement, so. Okay. Uh, but either either's fine. In, in, uh, in the home brewing world, it's. Wine, wine uh, likes bricks. Yeah, wine likes bricks, but the home brewing world. Uh, they're so close. It's it's just so close. It's just not worth dealing with it. Okay. All right. Here's what I want to do. The last time we had Jamil on, we really went over yeast starters and proper pitching amounts and things like that. And like Jamil mm-hmm. said, if you go to MrMalty.com, he's now ha- he now has a calculator on there that can really yeah. help you out. I'm happy to entertain questions if you have them. But I think what John and I were really kind of hoping to do and John's plan for it is to kind of pick up where we left off that time because we talked about where to start. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what happens now that you've pitched and got into fermentation. Yeah, uh, John, you, you can kind of pick us up from wherever well, we left off. Well, we've already figured out the proper amount of pitch rate of yeast. Um, I think it would be a good discussion talking about ales and lagers. What's the amount of time? What's the proper amount of time that you want to ferment? Um, if you under, if you don't pitch the proper rate and you don't go proper amount of time, do you get any potential off flavors? And if so, what are those off flavors? Um, well, all right. Let's so talk about you, ales you first. Got, you got a lot of, a lot of questions. Yeah. And, and uh, um, you know, the uh, the, the – the thing is, the the proper amount of time is when the fermentation is done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's no set amount of dates. I know all these homebrew texts. The thing that drives me nuts is, you know, homebrew texts, and people ask me, well, how many days until it's done? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's done when it's done. Now, if you had an ideal ferment or, you know, less, it's going to take shorter or longer. You know, if you have less sugars or more sugars, it's going to take shorter or longer. Simple sugars, you know, more complex sugars. So, you know, it's, it's done when it's done. It's not, there's not a specific time frame. And that's, that's an important thing to remember. Don't rush it. Uh, the yeast will sit there with the beer. And if you keep it at fermentation temperatures, you, you're in no risk, no danger. And what determines? Uh, maybe of running out of beer, but not, not running out of beer. Inventory. But what determines a beer being done? I mean, what are you looking for in the end product? Well, um. So no more drop in, uh. I mean, can you taste finishing gravity? Right, right. Okay, so uh, it, as soon as it stops uh, uh, converting sugars to uh, alcohol and CO2, um, then you need a couple of days for it to finish up cleaning up some of the other proce- parts of the process, some of the intermediate uh, compounds and stuff like that. So what I usually do, if I'm doing a uh, an ale, a standard ale, that's about 12 bricks, uh, and I've pitched uh, you know the right amount of yeast... And in seven days, it's pretty much done. I mean, it's it's done as far as it, it's probably done in three to four days. But I'll let it sit ten days, mm. you know, because I know that that's I'm doing a good process, and I know that uh, you know even if I screw up a little bit in ten days, it's it's 
completely gone past the end of what it needs, and it's sat for a couple extra days. So my leaving it for 30 is overkill? <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's fine. Cool. For an ale? As long as, as, long as you're a sanitary kind Oh, I guy. am. I got. I, I don't have sanitation issues. Well, I just got, uh, I'm too busy to, to put that sucker in a keg issues. I, would, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't leave it at uh, 80, 85 degrees, but, mm. you know, if it's sitting at 65... Mm-hmm. No problem. Just now let, let it sit me, there. Let it finish up. Okay, let me ask you this because uh, the last time I let it sit for a real long time, I temp controlled it the whole time. And I don't remember if it was you or John, but uh, I, I, I seem to remember being told, because this is what I did this time, I hope so, that once that primary fermentation is, is really done and I'm not seeing a, you know, a real active thing happening. In other words, I, I waited about 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then I went ahead and took it out of my bucket that I temp control it and put it on my counter. And, and it doesn't get above. 68 degrees now it's it's between 68 and, and 70 degrees just sitting on my counter and uh is it okay that i did that once primary sort of ended and now i'm just kind of leaving it till i put it in the in the keg yeah the the, the yeast will uh be a little more stable the colder it is but um, okay you know some some people will do that as a kind of diacetyl rest uh, warm it up get a little more activity to reabsorb the diacetyl that's produced during yeah. fermentation but um, you know, it's not really necessary. Over time, even at fermentation temperatures, it'll reabsorb the diacetyl. Okay. You don't need a warm diacetyl rest, but that that's fine too. Am I am I though creating a potential for off flavors by letting the yeast go ahead and warm up, even though primary was was pretty done? No, the, the yeast probably aren't going to put out any more flavors after that point. Okay. We're, we're, I think we're more worried about the autolysis. They already pooped out probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dormant. You know, yeah. one one of the things that uh, staling uh, you can you can. Uh, you know the uh, amino acids and the, the the fatty acids of the of the yeast. Uh, you know if they kick out a lot of that into the the beer, uh, your your beer will age okay. uh, quicker. Okay. Um, so that's one thing to worry about. But uh, you know you know a month is you know starting to stretch it. But would you, you have know, kept you it can, cold the whole time if it were yours? Would you have stayed down at fermentation temp for the yeah, whole? You know I just I just did a mild and then I had to take the kids down to Disneyland and. Uh, <laughs> I uh, before I left, I, I stuck it in the fridge, just so it would sit there cold, so I didn't have to worry about the yeast because I wanted to reuse the yeast. Okay, um, and uh, so you know, I, I moved it somewhere colder. Okay, hmm. all right, fair enough. What is diacetyl? I'm just curious. Like, uh, diacetyl is is you know what what you're going to get for that. Uh, uh, you know, f- uh, the artificial butter flavor that they use in microwave popcorn that's diacetyl. Actually, use that. I love yeah. that flavor. Yeah. It's diacetyl. Mm-hmm. It's not in your beer. Yeah, it's yeah. it's truly no, like diacetyl. It it's it, it's the same chemical compound. It's a natural thing that yeast pump out. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know what you're going to have with diacetyl if you have a you know a warm ferment, extra warm ferment, or uh, you know uh, certain bacteria will produce diacetyl. Uh, it it gives it kind of a fake artificial buttery kind of kind of character to the beer, which can be kind of slick on the tongue. Uh, you know, in this modern day and age, it's become uh, you know anti diacetyl. I run into judges all the time that say, you know, oh my god, this has got diacetyl. This has got you know, it's like mm, they're they're finding it where it's not, and they're freaking out about it. And a little bit of diacetyl in a beer kind of rounds it out, and uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. 
Although there are some styles, right, that just say no diacetyl. Yeah, some styles should shouldn't have it. You know, but uh, ESB is a good one for yeah. some diacetyl. Yeah, exactly. Most of the English beers are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, again, well, and that's that's the styles. But if you're not uh, worried about styles, right. you know, sometimes a, a touch of diacetyl is okay and kind of rounds out a beer. If you don't like it, don't don't add it to don't uh, allow it in your beer. Uh, you know, there's ways to get around it. Little little butter goes a long way, if you yeah, ask me. Exactly. Well, the the yeast pump it, the yeast pump yeah. it out anyway. In small amounts, it's yeah. it, it it gives a rich fullness to the beer. But the, the yeast without. pump it out anyway. Uh, but at the end, when they're done eating all the sugars, they're looking for something else to eat, and they will reconvert the diacetyl back into something else that, that doesn't have that flavor is profile. It, okay. Is it a food source for them at that? Yeah, it is at that point. Mm. But you can't if you if. You have a hot ferment to begin right. with. They're going to put off a more. lot, which is they much won't more be able to reabsorb, which is much mm. more than they can reabsorb, which will okay. leave it in the finished or beer. Or if they're stressed. Um, yeah. And one of the things is, um, uh, you know, a healthy, healthy pitch, healthy ferment. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get a lot of diacetyl. It's just not going to happen. All right. How about a good question like this about uh, has to do with yeast and fermentation? I got from the forum. Uh, would using yeast well, let me preface it by, we've talked about using servomyces before. Right. And we've talked about it mostly in higher gravity beers, uh, right. to, to feed the, the yeast. It's, it, servomyces is a nutrient for yeast. And it's basically dead yeast cells that mm-hmm. you're putting in there so that yeast, uh, can, can gain, the live yeast cells can gain nutrients from that to get to work. Uh, the forum wanted to know, would using yeast from a previous batch at the end of the boil be similar to using servomyces? Right. A lot of brewers, commercial brewers do that, and a lot of home brewers do that. Um, the the value of using uh, yeast cells is you're also going to bust apart those yeast cells, and it provides lipids for the uh, the yeast that is uh, uh, reproducing in, in your in your wort, and uh, those lipids can be can be assimilated into the the new yeast. Okay. The Servomyces also gives you a uh, a zinc base uh, a a um, which they say is, uh, you know, biologically, uh, you know, available, and so it it actually is better than just adding zinc zinc powder. So, uh, okay, uh, you know, I haven't found a whole lot of success with, uh, you know, it, when I add servomyces, I'm looking towards, you know, the repitch. But a lot of oh. people tell me that it really does a big difference in that ver- that batch. Okay. And some people I respect a lot right. uh, have told me that. I think uh, Olin told me that, and I think, uh, you know, John told me that, and a couple other people have noticed that that, that makes a difference. Okay. Um, I haven't, but uh, I wouldn't... Uh, dispute it either. So when you say you put it in because you're looking forward to repitch, right. you're you're hoping that then that they then have enough nutrients after they've gone ahead and pooped out in your current beer from using the servomyces that they come right back to life real strong. Yeah, I'm look, I'm looking for yeast health, you know, not just this batch but, you know, down the road and, and multiple batches. So, uh, you know, when you when you add the zinc, uh, you know, it, or when you when you pitch healthy yeast to start with, yeah. They're pretty much healthy enough to go through the whole ferment, um, even with some minor problems. But, you know, they need to kind of re- regather themselves and get ready for the next ferment as they start to go dormant. And if you don't have the proper nutrients in there, they can't prepare themselves to do the next batch properly. Okay. So, uh, you know, it, it all has to do with the cell wall health and, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, uh, pliable enough and uh, liquid enough to, to allow easy transport. If they get too leathery, they can't reproduce. They can't, uh, move the alcohol outside the cell wall, things like that. Okay. So, uh, you know, that's where I see it as important. I, I think I mentioned on a previous show about uh, going to Sierra Nevada and they, you know, 
they use a, a certain amount of zinc uh, uh, in every batch, uh, and they are very, very focused on their yeast. They have a lab. They check their yeast health continuously. They have yeast people, and, uh, you know, it's a very smart move. Right. Are, are a lot of those nutrients absorbed in the uh, anaerobic stage where the yeast are multiplying and growing, or when right. do they reuse the zinc? When do they actually absorb the zinc or the lipids or... That's a good question. Uh, you know, what happens when you f- first drop the yeast in, into the batch, um, you know, they start to acclimate themselves. What the, what they're doing is they're using their glycogen and trehalose uh, reserves to uh, prepare themselves uh, for proper fermentation, for reproduction. And, uh, you know, they're uh, creating sterols and... Uh, uh, all the the uh, they're taking in the oxygen that's there, and all of that is to get a nice pliable cell wall so they can bud and produce more yeast, and later on so they can be healthy enough and pliable enough to move the sugars in, move the alcohol out. Um, if they can't move the alcohol out, what happens is at about five uh, percent alcohol they just shut down. So when you have these ferments that don't go to completion, what's happening is uh, the yeast uh, become, uh, you know, it's usually the alcohol toxicity. Alcohol is very toxic to yeast, and, uh, you know, they can stand about 5% and then they shut down. So we easily get, you know, 10%, 15% alcohol out of yeast. And mm. how do we do that? Well, it's good healthy yeast and it's good pliable walls. And But when you're making these bigger beers, it's something very important. They need oxygen to, to produce those uh, sterols and those lipids and... Uh, uh, using the uh, dead yeast cells, like the the listener asks, uh, provides a, a little way. more, um, and you know they can they can uh, ensure good health. Okay, right. So they don't get too leathery, and they're able to uh, reproduce. Now, kind of to follow that up, um, and I like this question because unlike you two jokers, John and Doc, <laughs> who have all these fancy conicals, and and that's where you've that's what you've stuck to. Jamil also has a conical. But the guy brews like such a madman that he uses a bunch of carboys as well throughout his brew season, and uh, and and still using those guys uh, uh, like myself and a, and a few other uh, poor home brewers out there. Uh, <laughs> what they want to know is what you would recommend for getting the yeast cake out of the bottom of a carboy without the trube, and and then storing it and for pitch at a later date. Um, well, I I've uh, been working with uh, Mark. Uh can't pronounce his last name starts with a g lives on the east coast um and he's uh you know we, we've been talking about how the process i i do all mine with and what i'll do is uh i sterilize nalgene bottles mm. that i get from sinmar in a, in a pressure cooker so they're sterile i have a sterile container i rack the uh, beer into a keg and i don't do any secondaries or anything i the beer goes from the, the carboy primary carboy into a keg mm-hmm. And I, I use uh, rubbing alcohol around the opening of the, the carboy, and okay. then I flame it. I've got one of these creme brulee torches from B3, and I, hmm. I flame the daylights out of the opening. And then uh, usually I leave just a you know about a liter of beer in the uh, carboy, and I swirl it, break up the yeast cake that's down there, and then I tilt it and pour it into the, uh, the sterile uh, Nalgene bottle. Then it goes into the fridge and just sits there. Huh. Now, when I'm ready to use it, which, uh, you know, different yeasts will last a different amount of time. You want to use it as soon as you can. Uh, I have some sterile water that I've put in the pressure cooker and sterilized it. And, uh, you know, I can add a, uh, you know, a liter of sterile water, swirl the, the Nalgene bottle around. 
the clean, uh, healthy yeast will be in this nice, creamy liquid layer on top, and you're going to have, uh, you know, an inch or two of, uh, you know, little black, crusty things and dead yeast in the bottom. Yeah. And you just go ahead and pour that creamy part into your beer or into your wort. Right. And uh, leave the rest behind, and you're done. And in that case, wow. you pour it into your wort for your starter, uh, your starter wort. No. Uh, no. Ready to ready Straight to pitch. pitch. It's ready, ready to go. To, ready wow. to rock and roll. All right. Let if, me let me back up. Left it too long. Let me back up yeah. then. So you you've first of all, I I like that what you're saying that you can just because I you know you always have a little beer left in the bottom of your carboy, and that's yeah. actually what I was worried about. But but you're saying that's a good thing. You do it on purpose. You go ahead and you stir that up. Right. You pour it into a container, and you don't add the distilled water at that point. You no. just put it in your fridge. Yes. You don't use the distilled water until you're ready for your, your brew day again. Right. You, okay. And then you say sterilized water, but that's it's basically distilled water, right? No, it's just sterilized. Oh, sterilized. You put it through a pressure cooker. Yeah. But so it's sterilized. But you could use distilled water that you that you sterilize by boiling. Sure. Sure. Uh, Does it have to be? Could you use say tap water that yes. you sterilized? Okay. I, I, st- I sterilize tap water. Okay. A dechlorinated tap water. Uh, you don't want to use distilled uh, for the osmotic uh, gradient reasons, but um, okay. You know, it's in there such a short time. You could use distilled or whatever. But the distilled water you buy at the store, it's not sterile. Okay. And, uh, you know, I remember somebody uh, did a test uh, some years ago where they bought uh, 10 different jugs of distilled water yeah. to see if it was sterile, put it in the sun, and like three of them turned green. Wow. So. Okay. All right. So whatever water, as long as you sterilize it, boil yeah. it. You boil use it a sterilize. You use a pressure cooker, but you could boil it. Okay. And then you pour it right into the same container that you've already used, that you've poured the yeast slurry into, right, that you've had in your fridge. Mm-hmm. You pour it into that. Usually, yeah, I'll decant the beer off, pour the liquid in, the water in, and then uh, swirl it around in there. Or sometimes I'll put it into a different container if, if you know, okay. whatever fits. I've got half liter, liter, two liter. Right. Oh, wow. And then when you swirl it around, it set it, it settles out as a separation is what you're saying? Yes. With the cream, uh, which is the good stuff on top, yep. and the junk on the bottom? Within 15 minutes. Really? Okay. You just swirl it and then leave it sit on the counter? Yeah. Shake it up real good yeah. and let it sit. Okay, and then you just pour that right into your. It's ready to go. Yeah, decant it off into the into the wort, into your carboy or whatever right. else. Okay, uh, but if you're going to do that, fairly awesome. simple. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I like simple. <laughs> I, you know, if you yeah. want to make a lot of beer, um, you need simple. You don't want to yeah. go through these long, drawn out processes. And, and the generally, the more complex your process, the more contamination you're adding. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So keep it. Keep as many transfers down. Keep. Uh, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, use the yeast pitching calculator to make sure you're pitching the right amount of yeast. Don't don't overpitch. Uh, again, you know the yeast will kick out uh, you, know, uh, you know fatty acids, and uh, those will add to the uh, aging of your beer. Okay. Uh, or you know can quickly age beer with, with a little head bit of oxygen. Head retention will fail. Exactly. There's there's a lot of reasons not to overpitch. How long will the yeast survive in those Nalgene bottles? It depends on the strain. Certain strains, like the wheat strains, uh, they die off really fast. Okay. You know, I I don't think. You know, I would not use a, any of the Hefe strains uh, more than uh, – you know, I wouldn't keep them more than a week at mm. 34 degrees um, Fahrenheit. I wouldn't uh, – you know, the longer strains, they'll last uh, several months. They're pretty good. Uh, but, again, you know, try and use them in, you know, within a month, let's say. Uh, the other strains, like the California ale strain, I think – you know, some people say it doesn't – it isn't as durable as stable. Um, I, I, I say you can get, uh, you know, three, four weeks out of that as well. The English strains, you know, two weeks, three weeks. 
Uh, you know, you'll you'll find out uh, the hard way if you if you push it. You know, you'll you'll pitch this in and uh, nothing will happen, and you'll realize <laughs> uh, maybe it was a little too long. <laughs> What's a, what is a Nalgene bottle exactly? Plastic. Uh, it's a Nalgene is a manufacturer of uh, all sorts of containers, and uh, it's a uh, poly uh, polyethylene polypropylene poly. Polypropylene. Polypropylene or autoclavable. Uh, I get them from Sinmar. The one liter containers are like two dollars and fifty cents. It's it's uh, what's special it's, about it's, it? It's heat resistant plastic. Okay, heat resistant food grade. So you can. You That's can, why you, you can, can pressure cook it. Two hundred and fifty yeah. degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, okay. You know, 15 psi on your pressure cooker for uh, so it doesn't melt 25 it's, minutes. It's a plastic thing you can sterilize. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't kick any off. Flavors, yeah. plastic flavors into whatever you're doing. Could I use, say, those plastic buckets that the extract comes in if I sterilize that to mm, pour this into? Uh, depends on what material they're made of. I know the uh, White Labs uh, commercial jugs, they're yeah. not, not that, good. that heat tolerant, okay. and they will end up in a little plastic puddle. So where can you, where do you, where can people go to find these particular uh, bottles? Sin, Sinmar.com. Uh, REI has them, but they might be more expensive. Uh, Sinmar, uh, C-Y-N-M-A-R.com. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, they sell them pretty reasonably priced. Okay. Now someone wants to know, uh, what about the pressure in the bottle? Will that kill the yeast? Pressure in the Nalgene bottle. The reason you use a plastic bottle is because you can end up with uh, uh, pressure building and explosion. So you don't use glass right. for that reason. No, um, expands enough. Right. The uh, you know if if your wort was completely or your beer was completely finished fermenting, you're not going to build up any pressure. If you're building a pressure in there. Clearly, you didn't leave the beer on the yeast long enough uh, because it's still going. Ben, remember, right. he's, yeah. he's storing his at 34. Mm-hmm. Cold enough to Very uh, cold. put those suckers to sleep anyway. Yeah. But that's a, actually a great point. If there's anything left in there for those yeast to be eaten, you, you shouldn't you have moved too, it. <laughs> exactly. You went too quick. And, and that's one of the typical problems people have Okay, uh, homebrewing. Not leaving it. You move too quickly. You yeah. want to drink too fast. You move too quickly. <laughs> Is washing the yeast in water, like like you're talking about, better than acid washing? Yeah, the acid washing. The reason uh, that's that's interesting. People, you know, when they talk about uh, washing yeast, they're talking about using a uh, certain pH uh, uh, liquid and all that in order to. Uh, Kill off uh, bacteria or stun the bacteria. The problem with that is it uh, has a negative impact upon the yeast uh, cells themselves. Okay. I do not do that. Um, rinsing with uh, uh, sterile water is not washing the yeast, technically. But, uh, you know, um, it... You're basically separating more than yeah, you're washing. Yeah, exactly. You're just trying to get the uh, the, the lighter, uh, healthy yeast cells up and the, all the dead stuff to the bottom. Yeah. But uh, culling the herd. Yeah, mm. exactly. And and uh, you're such a goat farmer, dog. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, getting getting rid of that. Uh, so I I would not do the acid thing if if you have that much bacteria in there where you need to acid wash. Yeah. Um, you need to look at your process. Right. Or you know, get fresh yeast. And and again, it's very important. If you're going to repitch, you better be doing a nice, clean brewing. If if you're not, you're just going to contaminate multiple batches. Okay. All right, Better off doing starters. Let's do one more question from the chat, take a real quick break, and then get on with some more John stuff there. Um, 
We mentioned uh, aerating the wort just a little while ago. We mentioned in one sentence and yeah. moved right along. Uh, and I know we've had this discussion before. In fact, there's been some controversy about it in here lately. We had our first brewer come in, I don't remember who it was, who said, in fact, it might have been Dan. I don't yes, know. Yes, it was. Who told you you were okay shaking Shaking the thing was just, just fine. That this, was the only thing I disagreed with. You disagreed with. Okay. Well, this question isn't about, you know, shaking versus pumping. Uh, they just want to know how long, uh, should I pump O2 with a, with a, a five stone and, and should I give it a blast of O2 12 hours later? Yes and no. Right. Yeah, and, and it depends on yeah the the gravity of the beer too. Well, the gravity of the beer it depends on the yeast strain, whether it's a lager or an ale. It depends on uh, um, you know the size of the stone, and it depends on your flow rate. So, if you get yourself a medical regulator, like I'm sure Doc has, and I have, you can dial in how, however many liters per minute that yep. you're you're pumping out. So you have, have an actual measurement of the amount of oxygen going through that stone, and that otherwise. Uh, the timing based on just, well, I opened the valve so much, you know, is not really very accurate. So, uh, I'll say two minutes. If that. Two minutes. If, yeah. if, if that. If you, if you got a nice stone, I wouldn't even go that long. Yeah, a, a minute's probably great. Because there was talk. Here's why the talk, I think, really happened with the shaking being okay. Because there is an amount of O2 you can put in that becomes toxic to the CO2, right? right. Now, so. You know, what's this range where we can say we're doing a good job without being dangerous? Okay, let, let's, let, let's look at the, the, the dissolving rate of oxygen in the wort. We're not going to get up to a toxic rate because of atmospheric pressure. We would have to go hyperbaric probably to get that up there. Okay. And we're not going to do that, especially at not at 30 seconds or a minute. The the interesting thing is in homebrew sizes, you're probably not going to run into that problem. As you get into bigger batches like John's doing 50-gallon batches or you get into the commercial level hmm. and you have the pressure of uh, tall fermenter, yeah. Yeah. you can actually get to a toxic level. Okay. So generally not a problem. But, um, and you know, it, it could it could be toxic temporarily mm-hmm. and then, you know, it tends to, to outgas right. pretty quickly. And but what, you could you could build up a toxic level for a few what minutes. What he said about the tall fermenters, the pressure on a tall fermenter, you got a, you know, 20-foot fermenter, it's tall. And the pressure at the bottom is pretty substantial. Yeah. You're going to get more in there that way. But Bubble there's no pressure the in my carboy because if I'm pumping oxygen into it, the top's open. Yeah, but right. it has to do with liquid pressure. Okay, on the so it still could be. You're not okay. going to do that, like you said, in the in the, in the home mm. brewing situation. It's I'll, like scuba diving. If you go down to 100 feet, you're going to absorb more than, yeah. than at you are at you know five feet. Yeah. So if some guy says, "I really want to oxygenate my wort," like how I just say, "Some guy, not me," <laughs> uh, and leaves that sucker on for five minutes, it's just wasteful at that point. Yeah. Right. Okay, uh, do it. Do it for a minute. Um, swirl around as you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, do it again. I do it again in four hours if I'm not sleeping. Uh, the, at the, 12 hours, if it's already fermenting, don't do it again. Right. The 12-hour blast, if you're doing a high-gravity beer, if you're doing a barley wine or right. something like that, you can go ahead and do it. But if you've got you know healthy yeast and you've you know provide a healthy environment and you've given them oxygen to start with, they're going to be fine all the way through to the end of the beer. Um I think a lot of times people are just not taking care of the yeast to start with, and so you know a, tw- a, a short blast at twelve hours is not not too bad. Right. But or better at like seven or eight hours, something okay. like that, uh, just before it starts to ferment. You don't really want to do it after that. But but another blast is you're going to have off gassing, so you're going to lose a lot of what you put in there, 
over the next three or four hours. So another blast at three, four, six hours isn't a bad thing. And I've seen a lot of a lot of positive things when I do it there. But uh, twelve hours? Well, if it's a like he said, if it's a big beer that maybe hasn't started fermenting yet, yeah. Or if it's a big beer like a barley wine that just started fermenting, go ahead and do it again because you're not gonna with a big, thick, heavy wort, you're not gonna get the kind of uh, oxygen going in there that you really want to have. Do I need to move that thing around? Um, you know, like I'm, I'm putting the hose down in, in the bottom and I've got the stone also, but I just leave it there for say the two minutes, right? I don't need to like be shaking the thing you around. You can't regulate it either. I move, I no, move it you can't regulate I, I, it. I have a wand, so I, if, if, if I'm using my carboy. Wand. It's yeah, showing us wand. his wand. Well, yeah, you said hose. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I swirl it around just to give it more contact time. Okay. With yeah, I, I move mine around as well. Just you do. Because the bubbles are passing up through the liquid. Yeah, if that's you what I was thinking. get it to where the liquid is kind of rolling over and rotating mm-hmm. throughout the, the carboy, yeah. That's, when I'm oxygen- that's a good amount of pressure. When I'm oxygenating my starter in the in the Erlenmeyer, I actually swirl the Erlenmeyer so the, the bubbles are swirling around at the same time. You guys oxygenate your starter too? I don't. Neither do I. But it's so probably, it's if you use a stir plate, I don't. My stir plate broke, <laughs> so I a stir plate. It, you get that vortex. And oh, it, uh, right. Yeah. But you're I, pulling I, air through. So my my stir plate broke. So, so you had to oxygenate. I, I do. You're such a so, brood dork, doc. Now, can't now, believe you, you oxygenate your starter. Since you can't regulate. <laughs> oxygen. I usually have my big brews. Okay. On my big brews, on my smaller ones, and usually I'm doing starters late at night. Mm. I'm tired. Yeah, I don't. But if you were, to, if you're going to buy a, a oxygenation system from your local homebrew shop, right. is like a good rule of thumb. Just wait till your top of your warts covered with like a white film, or you know, that's about one yeah. to two minutes. Yeah, white film plus over you know, over the foam's about to hit foam. over the top. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, a minute or two. When you when the when you the I, foam's I, going over the top of the stop. You know, stop. <laughs> if you if you do a minute again, you're doing better than most homebrewers. Yeah. If you do two minutes, you're still and, okay. If, you know, three or four, that's probably just wasteful. And you can, but, uh, you can yeah. just shake it. You can just use a aquarium pump. Yeah. But again, I don't like about any of those shaking. But you have to shake for a long time. You've you got to shake for a long time. You don't have sterile air either. You don't you have know, sterile you air. Even if you, an aqua, uh, an aquarium pump. Uh. Air, <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't do that. <laughs> you want to um, filter that, yeah. It's uh, only 20% air, or 20% oxygen in the air. So, you got a lot more shaking. You got yeah. a lot more pumping to do. Mm. Um, That's okay, but you know, just break down a couple of the price of a couple of batches of beer. You, 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 it makes a serious difference. And it's it, like, it, 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 for a lot of us, the brew day is so long. Yeah. What do you do? You want to sit there for, for twenty five minutes or yeah. three or, or an hour doing this oxygen well, pump, or just want to do thirty seconds or a minute and get it done? Hey, yeah. If you're not going to do use Puro two and you're going to use natural aeration, couldn't you say you could do it? Natural aeration for 12 hours nonstop through a 2-micron stone? Sure. Because you're not going to over-oxygen right. with a 2-micron. If anything, mm-hmm. you'll treat it like your beer and word as a giant starter at that point. I don't know how – you know, when I when I do batches, though, if I tried to bubble something for 12 hours, I, I, maybe it's just the words I make, but they'd be bubbling out through the top it's and still, all over the okay. floor. It's still – for me, everything starts to foam. Right. Yeah. With an oxygenating stone, it starts to foam a lot, whether it's yeah. air or oxygen. i got to stop after two minutes anyway, yeah. so there's not much I yeah, can do. Yeah, I can get a minute, two minutes, and then I need to stop. you got to stop. Mm-hmm. I usually do. I usually uh, brew during the day. I get it down to. I pitch cold, so I get it down to brew temperature, and by that time, I'm ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So I oxygenate then. I pitch. I go to bed before I go to work in the morning. I come back out, uh, sanitize the cane, stick it back in there, and I do another thirty seconds. By the time I come home at lunch or 
and when I come after work, it's it's bubbling, it's going, and I don't have to do it again. All right, I got a. Uh, we'll follow up on, right when we come back from the break with a question about uh, starters the day of or the night before too. I think that's a good good topic, and then John's got a lot more. So a real quick break. It's going to be a long one, guys. Sorry about you East Coasters, but it's good info, and that's have another why we're doing beer. It. Have another beer. Have yourself a pee at this point. Yeah, and uh, we'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network, and uh, we just announced that the Jamil Show is coming in January. We did that, uh, so don't don't forget. That's we're excited about it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with a lot more questions from. Uh, the forum from the chat users and also from John himself. We'll be back. The Brewing Network. Coming in January, the Brewing Network is proud to present the Beer Style Show. Hosted by the most award-winning home brewer ever, Jamil Zainashef. Each show will give you the best in understanding BJCP style guidelines. you got to honestly look at it, try it, you know, and evaluate it and say, no, it's, it's actually, you know, a, a better beer in this style. And that's again, goes to, you know, understand the BJCP right. uh, style guide. Competition advice. One of the things in competition that you have to do is you have to brew a good beer, a really good beer. So the bigger the, the, the competition, the, yeah. the better beer you have to brew as a base. Experienced homebrew tips. You know, one of the things about process, some of, a lot of these beers, um, mash temp is a difference of just a few degrees one way or another, but it makes, uh, you know, a dramatically different beer. The science behind the process. What you want to pitch is one million cells per milliliter of wort per degree Plato. And brewcaster John co-hosting is sure to keep Jamil on his toes. Yeah, I believe that you need temperatures to help grow you. I, I, think, yet, I think John... John, you can make even better beer. What's on, can- Jamil? The Beer Style Show with Jamil Zainashef and John Plisse. Coming to the Brewing Network in 2006. Stay tuned to www.thebrewingnetwork.com for details. You're listening to Three Guys. Excuse me, what about me? Yeah. Sorry. You're listening to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Tons of questions to get to, folks. Uh, we'll try to keep it moving as Four it's getting show. late. <laughs> um let me follow up with what about, uh, although I think that's what we were talking about. What about inline O2 aeration? Yeah, it's the same fine. thing. Yeah. It's just, just a different way. It just depends on air. how, how fast the bubbles are going in. Uh, you know, commercial brewers do that. Um, I've done it. I've, I've had a couple of them. Uh, and if you push the O2 too hard, your flow rate will cut down and your pump can't overcome it. Mm-hmm. So I've you, you got to regulate both of them. It's just a, it's just a different way to do it. Okay. And I the flow rate will cut down with how much O2 you push. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, to point it will it will back up your pump. This person says I made a two liter starter for an IPA on the morning of brew day, and by the time I was ready to pitch, there was little to no starter activity. It was about six hours later. Did I short my yeast count? It seemed to be fermenting fine, but could it have been better? 
And I think we've had this discussion. Jamil and I both like to do the starter the morning of. But it's a matter of whether or not the time between you start that and the time that you pitch is is going to be when that starter is active. And I think uh, you'd probably be better than me to, to, to tell people when that thing is active. And he, His started fermenting anyway, so I think it's okay. He wants to know if it could have been better. Uh, I'm thinking he said six hours. I usually get mine going in about six hours. It's moving in there, but um, what maybe yeah. something else could have caused well, that it wasn't. It depends on the health of the yeast as well Yeah. Uh, before you put it in. And... Uh, uh, you know, you can o- always do the night before as well. It'll it'll ferment. I mean, if you pitch this the one tube or one smack pack, it'll still ferment. It's just we're trying to make it better. Right. You end up with uh, you know off flavors and uh, you know not as great an attenuation. So it's going to add up a little sweeter. What is attenuation? Uh, attenuation is you know the amount of uh, a percentage of sugars that are uh, converted to CO two and alcohol. Uh, from the original wort. So different yeasts will have different levels of attenuation. So the more attenuation, the better the ferment, or the, the more complete? Right. Well, certain wort and certain yeast, you should get a certain attenuation. What you want is it to be consistent. So uh, if, you, if you're trying to make the best beer possible, you need to know what, what certain wort is going to give you with a certain yeast at a certain temperature. You need to be able to learn that sort of thing so you can say, well, I want the beer drier or I want the beer sweeter. How do I achieve that? You need to be able to consistently do it. And once you can, then you can change your process to get yourself exactly what you're looking for. Right. Uh, we're here with Jamil Zanishef, if you're just tuning in, who uh, has signed aboard with the Brewing Network to do his own show coming in January. John's going to be helping him out, so uh, Monday's for that. Stay tuned to the Brewing Network. Also, join us in the chat room. I think everyone just got kicked out at a moment. We reached our yeah. peak there. We're going to have to upgrade our server. It's I, I think I've been trying to find loopholes around doing that because it becomes a little more expensive. Actually, becomes a lot more expensive when uh, we switch uh, servers. But uh, I, I'm paying attention, guys. I know you're getting kicked out of there, and I'm real sorry about that. I don't, I don't like it either. So, I think uh, John and I might bite the bullet this week and and go ahead and upgrade the server. Ask uh, for a raise. Yeah. Bite another bullet. I I thought I had fixed it actually. So it, I I was working on it throughout the week. I was on the phone with those people, but uh, those people it's a good problem. didn't it's do okay. very good. Um, so anyway, I'm working on it, guys. Uh, uh, we might just upgrade this week and see if that can fix it, okay? Uh, hey, what's the best way to store yeast long term, like more than a year? Uh, you'd have to have like, you know, absolute zero, you know. It's to be perfect cry- yeast, cryogenic, huh? uh, cryogenically store the yeast. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, for the home brewer, the thing you probably would do is, uh, uh, make slants. Uh, Got to be the slants. Uh, put, put these and then cover it with a uh, light mineral oil okay. to keep the slant from drying out, and that'll get you about a year. Where do you and get you, things you, to make a slant? What is a slant? Where uh, do you get it? Test tube, uh, like, uh, wort with agar, and uh, you let it solidify on a slant at an angle, and then that gives you more surface area to so it's like, it's out like your a yeast. petri dish, but uh, in a test tube. A form, test tube, okay. And those. Te- Will have, tend to have a longer life in the refrigerator. Uh, you can pull it, pull some off of there, and make a new slant uh, every once in a while, and that will actually uh, lengthen the whole time you can have them. In if there. if you're doing uh, petri dishes, uh, seal them with uh, get yourself some electrical tape or whatever, and seal the petri dish, and they'll last longer. Okay. The reason slants last longer is because they're sealed screw cap uh, right. test tubes. Okay. And, and if you just do a turnover with your slant, make a new slant. Yeah. 
uh, that will help. Is this homebrew shop stuff, or you got to go to science shop? shop? Sure, yeah. you can get a does number B3, of them. Does okay. B three still have slants? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. so they have slants yeah. and petri dishes. If, you, if you're going to get into it, you know, um, I'd make your own. You can make your own auger. So I take a yeah. microbiology course at your junior college. You know. That'll get you steal a bunch of equipment. Yeah, steal equipment, use your facilities. But yeah. but yeah. just learning how to do slants and and you know sterile sterile loop. It's things pretty like easy. That. A couple of good books out there. A couple of good websites. Hmm. Okay. Couple uh, a few questions here about over pitching, which uh, it's a big, some, it's a big circles, fear out there, isn't it? In some circles say that's a myth, but they basically say they want to know if you've ever over pitched and how hard is it to over pitch, and what if you use the same yeast cake. Um, yeah. can you, can you, you know, over-pitch? I've, I've pitched on purpose and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, the, the thing is if you reuse the entire yeast cake every time, um, you're carrying over a lot of crud in, in the, in the yeast cake, uh, which isn't good. And, um, the, the problem with overpitching is multiple. One is, uh, you know, a lot of the character of beer comes when, uh, you know, the yeast are growing. When yeast are growing, I've heard anywhere from three times to ten or twenty times more alcohol is produced during that rate than than anything else. So, with with the uh, three pitching, one of the issues is those yeasts that are just kind of laying around in there, and the yeasts that are already on their last legs, they're going to start dumping out um, you know fatty acids and uh, uh, a lot of stuff that are going to make your beer. Uh, you know, as you get oxygen in it and as it ages, it's going to go in the crapper a lot faster. What's that okay. taste like? If you want the beer that are soapy, uh, uh, and, and also the cardboardy, uh, cardboard-y you know, soapy uh, kind of stuff, the stale flavors. Um, <clears throat> you know, I brought in beers here that uh, you know are four or five years old, and you know they taste great. And why do they taste great? Because uh, you know they didn't have a lot of uh, that in it. Uh, you, know, you you need to there's there's a reason why the yeast need to grow uh, to maintain their health and uh, you know if you're just uh, uh, repitching that that same amount uh, you know any any yeast that's already uh, on its last legs is going to tallicize mm-hmm. uh, sooner uh, just not the thing to do it's easy enough to just swirl the carboy and you know get yourself a, a sanitized container. Pour it out. You know, you can do it the day of. Instead of reusing the same carboy, get yourself a second carboy. Yeah. You know, pour out the you know the yeast, swirl it with some some you know clean water, and you know decant off you know the amount the proper amount you need. Okay. And again, so, you know, pitching calculator will you know show you how much. Yeah, that, to use. that yeast cake, they're not all front runners by any means. Right. So, and when you keep using the same yeast cake over and over, it's going to get a bigger or higher percentage of. You know, the slow guys, the dead guys, yeah. and you're going to get what he's saying. It's going to dump things into your next beer that you don't really want there, at least for longevity. It's like my graduating class entering the job force. You don't want most of us idiots. I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. There was only a few up there, uh, myself excluded. You were a tall that you want to, yeah, that's, that's why you're in here with us. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm here. God, how long ago did I, I, should I What is do What is the tallest or a tallest size? What did you mean by that? Uh, that's when the yeast uh, start uh, kind of like a self-consumption. They uh, break down and start... Uh, uh, eating up all the uh, amino acids and fatty acids that uh, their brethren as they start to give up the ghost, and it's a, kind of a chain reaction thing. Kind of a cannibalizing mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But basically the cell wall breaks and all their guts come out, and you they're really don't want that into the, the solution as in general. Is that because there's no Rubbery. more sugar left? Or? No, it has to do with the dead guys, and they're not they're not viable anymore. Uh. And 
there's a we always talk about the yeast cell wall, mm-hmm. having a healthy yeast cell wall. If it's too, like he said, if it's too leathery, they can't get stuff in and out. That's how they work. They pull stuff in mm-hmm. through the cell wall, through lots of different mechanisms. They process it mm-hmm. and they shove it back out. If, uh, say you're, you're stressing them, going too hot, too fast, or too cold, too fast, they put up protein coats and you can't get in and out. You don't have the in and out privilege. It's kind of like that. 21 club right. <laughs> and so you can't get in and out uh, when you when you end up uh, dying the cell wall will split and all the guts all the enzymes all the fatty acids all the cool stuff that's on the inside as long as it stays on the inside is fine but when it starts getting out into the solution in general it comes across into the finished beer and then it starts making nasty things later on. Down. Sounds burnt, good. Burnt rubber. Yeah, it's, it's, there's things. It's, like as long as it stays or? stays trapped up in that yeast cell, it's cool. And the healthy ones will do that. But when you start pitching dead yeast, soy saucy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. soy. Like a silkiness on your tongue or something, or mm. it's it, more of a flavor aroma. Yeah, it's a, mm. it, it's cheesy, kind of catty. It's weird. It's it's it's. Neither Old, one of those older, are good. No. And it's not good. Cheesy okay. and catty is not <laughs> nice. It's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, John, I, I, I know you got stuff there, too. It's all right. I, is it okay? Because I got a mass of forum questions. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to have a part four. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, uh, <laughs> well, and you're going to get this out of the Jamil, uh, the beer style yeah, show, too. It's all right. So. John and I were talking, and he had some good questions. And I he did, and I know you answer. got them there. So I'm one, I, I, I want to mix them both in. I'm just giving you guys warning. I got a mass of forum questions here, too. Unlike Sorry. last week. Go ahead and do you, one. You want me to keep going? Do a forum going. one. And, and, and also, I'll, I'll get on the forum and answer those uh, that okay. we don't cover on the show. Here's one uh, that should be fairly easy, and John, you can chime in too. Uh, this one says, I brewed the B3 Barley Wine uh, Partial Extract Kit last year with a suggested WLP001 yeast, and it ended up about 10% alcohol by volume, slight sweetness, and now after aging, it's a great beer. Mm-hmm. He sees now that the B3 suggests using WLP007 with that kit. And he would like to hear what Jamil has to say about the two yeasts in comparison, mm-hmm. what flavor, lack of, we can expect, uh, and what other uh, high attenuating yeast Jamil might suggest using, and any yeast ferment technique tips you may have on the subject of fermenting strong ales. Okay, so we got uh, an hour. <laughs> um, Just try to keep them short. All right, the... the the thing is, uh, the 007 is uh, the dry English ale yeast. It is the same as the same kind of fa- flavor profile as the 002, the uh, English ale yeast. Okay, the 07 ferments t- about the same attenuation as uh, California ale yeast, the 001. So the attenuation is the same. Okay. What you're going to get different out of 07 than you do out of 01 is you're going to get more estery, uh, fruity character. Okay. So if you're if the B3 barley wine kit that he's referring to is like an English barley wine kit, then I'd say yeah, the 07 is a is a it'll give you kind of a British character to it. If you're going to use the 001, you're going to get a very clean beer that's going to be more uh, you know, American in nature. So uh, that's that's the difference. The attenuation, the upper limit on attenuation on both of those is like uh, 80%. Uh, California ale yeast is like 73 to 80, and uh, dry ale yeast is like 70 to 80. So they're 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 very similar in that fact. It's just the esters. Well, there's things you have to do to make sure you got like you said healthy yeast and everything. When you get a beer that big, big you, pitch, you want big pitch, a lot of things to make sure it's going to finish on out because you won't get your 73 percent attenuation mm-hmm. if 
if you just don't treat them right. Well, can can't the yeast be overwhelmed by the amount of sugars in the solution? I mean, sure. if you just if you did one vial of yeast without doing a starter, wouldn't they just kind of be like, well, there's too much here? Yeah, they have they have a uh, they have a name for it uh, when you uh, toss in yeast to uh, high osmotic uh, sugar content. They uh, where some of the yeast just just don't do anything; they just drop to the bottom. Um, shrivel up and die. And I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, the shrivel up and die syndrome. <laughs> uh, Scott reminds me, uh, and uh, so uh, you know again, it becomes more important to uh, pitch you know appropriate amount. That's why as the the gravity goes up, you got to pitch you know uh, a lot more. You got more in John's list there. You want to do? You want me to do another forum one? Do forum, go for it. Okay, I got more, but keep going. I've got so much to cover. I thought this one was really good. Uh, what was that? I think I know the answer to this, and okay. it's a quick one. That's why I ask it. Really. It's an easy one. I've Ask heard. it to yourself. We'll to I've heard Jamil say it. Oh. It's too Jamil. In your opinion, what's the cleanest fermenting ale yeast? Uh, actually, you know, I saw that on the forums and I was thinking about it. And it's not, you know, I would, I would say, you know, generally, uh, California ale yeast, but if you include, uh, like the Kolsch yeast or a German alt yeast as, as ale yeasts, um, then, uh, those are pretty clean also. Uh, the cleanest yeast is probably a lager yeast. Um, you know, and it depends on your definition of clean. So, uh, sulfurs, uh, DMS, uh, esters, what, what are you trying to avoid by clean? I'd say California ale yeast is probably going to be my, uh, the Canadian ale yeast are pretty clean. Probably the same thing. Canadians are like Californians <laughs> in the sense that we're real liberal sissies. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? It's all how you treat them too. Yeah. Um, temperature, stress, yeah. Yeah. lots of stuff. Big, Although big I think what pitch. we've said in here is that the cold. cow, you can do, you can do a lot of bad treatment to the cow ale yes, yeast and still end up with a good if, beer. If you only had one yeast, it would be California ale yeast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a workhorse. This person is having a bad time with chill haze. It doesn't bother him necessarily, but in some cases he understands it's not accepted. Are there any quick and dirty ways to reduce it? He doesn't really want to cold filter. So, uh. You know, Process again is probably the important part. So, you know, attention to ingredients, attention to the boil, um, use whirl flock, mm. or um, if you're using uh, Irish moss, um, you know, a half teaspoon is not going to do it. In five gallons, you want more like two teaspoons, two oh. and a half teaspoons. Okay. Does it go away after it's warmed up, or? Yeah, because it's, what happens is the when it gets cold, things start to yeah. cold, glom together, mm-hmm. and, it, uh, and, and you start yeah. to see it. And then when it warms up, they all disperse again, so you don't if see. If you it. if you keep it cold, like you know, thirty two degrees, just above freezing, right. yeah. uh, for a year, it'll be brilliant. Like it'll, it'll 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 eventually it'll drop. Eventually, out. you know, it, don't don't move out. it. Who's keeping beer besides you? Eventually, for a year, uh, one, besides you and John over there. One hint about <laughs> one hint about Irish moss is I used to when I first started was I would just take my half teaspoon or teaspoon and throw it in. Yeah. Uh, Hydrate it first. Mm-hmm. Put it in a cup of water. Okay. And let it hydrate while you're brewing for the first 45 minutes, and okay. then dump the whole thing in there. It, oh, just buy Whirl Flock. I, I like, I, that's what I use yeah. now. I, I use just, Whirl these, Flock these, now. These guys, you know, I know Doc buys Whirl Flock, but, you know, yeah. uh, it's like 25 cents for a five gallon batch. And I, I, I people, use, people say, oh, I can't, you know, why would I do that? And it's like, it's a quarter, dude. <laughs> yeah. Five gallons of really good beer. It's a quarter. And let's face it, the uh, American dollar is not that strong right now anyway. So 25 cents is less nothing. than it ever was. Yeah. <laughs> and how many times have I rehydrated my 
my Irish moss and finished up my boil and finished up everything. I'm looking at, oh, damn. Sitting there. Yeah, still sitting there. Yeah. What's your time worth? What yeah. about if the uh, beer haze doesn't go away when it warms up? What causes that? Well, that would be a permanent haze. That's a different and, haze. But where, where does that come from? It's the proteins and tannins. And that occurs during... Oh, yeah, from the grains, okay. from the... There's a lot of different issues on that one. From, it's the reason why a, a super hoppy beer is uh, hazy. Hmm. You get a lot of tannins and uh, uh, polyphenols and stuff in the... Uh, tannins from hops? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. From the stems themselves or this... Uh, yeah, hop uh, material. Oh, weird. Question for all three, you jokers from the forum here. <laughs> In reference, I like this question too. It's a good one. In reference to the carbonation charts on uh, pages fifty-four and fifty-five of the most recent Zymergy, um, this chart lists Belgian ales, double, triple, strong, right. strong, dark, strong, pale, uh, having low to moderate carbonation. I, I saw that. He I, says I, I, I find looked at it. Yeah. It's a good, he says I find that most Belgian ales have strong carbonation, which I think is true also. Uh, although I didn't read the chart. Uh, is my perception wrong, or is this an error that has been propagated through many channels? Well, that chart lists uh, those those specific styles is going from like 1.9 to 2.4. Okay. 2.4 is a pretty healthy carbonation. Is it? Um, I, I didn't think, I thought the chart was actually pretty good. Okay. I, I could quibble a little bit with, you know, the lower end, upper end, but, you know, the guy who did it, he took, um, you know, those numbers from a, a variety of sources. And I, I think he's pretty pretty well on. It, it, it did I, raise I, my eyebrows, though, too. I just barely had enough time to glance through that, and I thought, mm, that's not what I've read but, before, and that's not what I've seen but before. But he had some of the other Belgian beers up at, you know, four, four and a half, and, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty respectable piece. I thought, uh, you know, you could you could argue a little bit, but, uh, you know, there, there are also, I've had uh, plenty of triples and doubles and... Uh, uh, especially in the, the strongs that, uh, the strongs are, are the part that I would say maybe, um, it wasn't as quite as accurate. I, I would list the strongs as going higher, mm-hmm. you know, especially the goldens. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had plenty that are down, uh, probably less than 1.9. So I, I, I could I really, say either way. I really think with the strongs, like you're talking about, if they're, Lower in carbonation, they just kind of lay in your tongue, and you really need them to. It doesn't dry them out as much, and they end yeah. up too sweet. They end up yeah. too sweet, lays on your tongue, it doesn't flow back. And when you boost it just a couple of volume or a couple percent, tenth of volume, it will just makes a whole different beer. Right. Really, but really does. The thing to do is to 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 go ahead and uh, you know brew it, do it, and if it's not quite right, especially the beauty of kegging, kegging and just dial it up until you feel it's perfect. And hmm. That's all that matters. Actually, it's a little bit perfect plus, and then bottle it. <laughs> Caller, you're on the air. Hey, uh, Justin. Yes, sir. Who are we That's talking Rob, to? Rob, uh, Two Dog Ale. Hey, Rob. How are you? Good, thanks. Hey, I, I just wanted to ask before I fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Or pass out. <laughs> I'm on the, well, I'm on the East Coast, so okay. it's late. Fair enough. But uh, I'm, uh, you know, we're starting to get our first snow flurries here, so it's starting to get a little cool. Sorry about that. Uh, that's all right. But I'm thinking... <laughs> It makes me think about lagering, especially after watching uh, that Modern Marvels. They were talking about how I used to lager in caves. Yeah. Man, uh, I, did, you, did you record that? I did record it. I just I can't figure out how to get it off my DVR. <laughs> <laughs> when you figure it out, you let me know because I was, I'm was i so bummed I missed that episode. I'll get it to you. And I also um, put a little watch out, a tag out on uh, on Netflix. Oh, cool. Because they, they rent those or they have those for rent sometimes too. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. 
Yeah. So if I if I hear it's out there, I'll let you know. Real quick, if you all don't know, Modern Marvels, which does like the history of of everything. I watched the history of paint yeah, build, on there one day. Building <laughs> building <laughs> big bridges that yeah, can't be built. I'm just that kind of dork. But they did a history of brewing just the other night. Unfortunately, it aired at like 2 a.m. Oh, no. And uh, it, it, for some reason, I wasn't up at that. Well, hour. I don't believe that. And uh, I I just barely <laughs> didn't make it. It was like one off night. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Your question. Well, uh, I'm. I don't really have. I don't have a setup to do a locker. To be honest with you, that's why I was thinking about doing it now. And I was just first of all, I was wondering, um, like, what's like the coldest, uh, or what should be like the actual fermenting temperature for for a lager? And then also, what about the cold conditioning part of it? How cold can you do that? Yeah, good question. Uh, what's the, what's the bottom end? Uh, I, I think for before, fermenting. Yeah. yeah, before you kill, before you're killing everything. Well, you're not killing it. The lager you still survive at 32 degrees. How active they'll be, yeah. will is is another question. So, um, uh, myself and Dan Gordon, but not John, uh, <laughs> <laughs> agree that the the best temperature to ferment a uh, lager at is uh, you know you pitch your yeast around 44 degrees Fahrenheit, and let it warm up to about 48, and uh, ferment there at 48. You'll make the cleanest uh, lagers. You can pitch warm, um, you know, 60 degrees, 65 degrees, and bring that down into the, uh, you know, 50, uh, 55 degrees. You can, you can make a pretty decent lager around 55 degrees. I, you know, if you, you know, for, for me, I'm always looking for the ideal, but, um, you make a, Pretty darn fine lager around 55 degrees. Okay, so. but if it's snowing out there, it's a lot mm-hmm. colder than 55 right. degrees. Yeah. So right. he can't so. leave this thing on his back porch, can he? Well, you can do it. What, It'll take what longer. I, what I It'll work. do sometimes okay. when I run out of space is, you know, I put the carboy outside. Yeah. I stay up till 3 in the morning. I check it, and then I bring it back inside. I put it <laughs> Really? So yeah. I've done that in the past, but it's much easier to just get yourself a fridge. Um, <laughs> what kind of temperature are you okay. working at? <laughs> yeah, right. What kind of temperature are you working at? Uh, well, I don't. It, it'll all depend. That's the other thing too is the stability of temperature. Basically, it, I was thinking about not outside, but I, you know, I have a garage that's not heated. Oh, okay, and, so a little uh, warmer. So, yeah, it's a little. It's always a little bit warmer in there. Not much, but it's a little bit warmer in there. Yeah. So I was figuring maybe you know in there with some blankets or something, but I, just well, to try to keep the well, temperature stable. And I'll bet what, you, yeah. I'll bet you you'll have a wall that's up against the house in your garage. Yeah. Okay, that wall is much warmer than than the other walls. I'm sure in my house it is. And so goes yeah, out. you put a little box up against <laughs> that, and, and you'll be set. It's some blankets but, uh, up against the wall. You know, it, truly one of the most important things is that the te- temperature is stable. The yep. more, the more, especially in loggers, you know, keep mm-hmm. a stable temperature. Um, you know, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, they don't. They don't like going up and down at all. So if you can keep it stable, like you know, you get yourself a fridge and a controller. And I know it hurts to. It does because I don't. Get it I've not done it with, either. It does hurt. It's a, once you do, it's so easy to do any beer you and, want at any time and not even think about it. It's just like, oh yeah, just put in here and dial in a number and yeah, off it, I go. And boy, the beer's so good and <laughs> you'll be yeah, happy well, in the long run. I'll sleep better. Up. Let me go wake up my wife, Jamil, and you can tell her that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. All you got to do is go without dinner for a week with the family, and you got yourself a fridge. Just forward her on to my wife, and she'll tell you that just give up. (laughs) (laughs) He's lost. Yeah, stop fighting it, right? 
What about maybe a, a you could throw a space heater in that garage too if it was still too cold and you had it up against your wall. Maybe just a well, little space uh, heater. Firm to, wrap. Get yourself yeah. a firm wrap and a and a uh, controller. The controllers are a little expensive, but the firm wraps are pretty cheap. And okay. You tape it to the outside of the carboy, and you don't have to tape it all plug the way it around. In. You plug it in. If it, yeah. and if it's uh you know even just you know freezing or above out there, it'll be fine. In fact, John uses that and a refrigerator. I do. You know, so it it'll I'm, still ferment. You can get down in thirty seven, or you can it'll, 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 it'll take a long it'll time, take a but long it'll be time. okay. It'll be okay. How long is a long time? <laughs> uh, three weeks or four weeks, probably. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. nothing. You can use an electric blanket, yeah, too. Yeah, it might be more oh, like two months. Mm-hmm. If it's still too cold, put, put it on the blanket. Heat rises, put on the base. Yeah. 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 It'll, it'll take two months. Yeah. Well, <laughs> two months? I'm going to try it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to try, try to go like old school here and try to do it like I'm in a cave. So <laughs> I like that. See, see what happens. That's cool. I, I just want. I, I don't want to tie all of your time up. I just want to ask one question. I'm, I'm relatively new. I'm like four batches in. Oh, cool. I'm doing extract brewing right now with specialty grains. I, you know, I don't taste anything bad in the extract. It's, it's the best beer I've ever had. You yeah, know. That's good work. Great. That and keeps so, you brewing. And so, what's that? That keeps you brewing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I go out every once in a while and I have to try some stuff on tap that I would have never tried before because I'm thinking of what would I brew next, so which is kind of fun, too. But what yeah. I want to ask is, like, what's, a, what's like, the next – like, I've, I've made a few batches. I understand, you know, I'm not doing full boils yet. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm adding the water. I still like it. Yeah, uh, I'm doing yeast starters now. Good. And so, like, but what's, like, what's a good next step to make, like, my extract brew – that much better. Mini mash. Or, or, st- or full, ste- No, I wouldn't even go mini mash. i stick with steeping, but I'd go full boil. Steeping grains full boil. and full, full boil. boil. All right. Uh, just break I down. Go but he's, already, he's already going steeping grains, right? Uh, yeah. No, I just yeah. said extract. Are you yeah, steep? Well, I'm doing, I steep the yeah, he's using tea, grains. You know, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, yes. Go to, go to, go to uh, you I'd, know what? I'd go Christmas I'd, is coming up. What do you want for full it? Full wart boil would be my you next step. Yeah, you want to have a... A See, I I agree with the I with, the, with the immersion chiller. I, I agree with the full boil, but here's what happens, and here's what's kept me from going full boil. Right now, you got to get a, a bigger kettle or convert a keg into it. You got to buy the standalone burner so that you can get it to a boil, because most stoves aren't going to do ten gallons to a boil. And uh, and you got to get the chiller. Five gallons. So Those you're talking six six gallons. Five, mm-hmm. Even a, even a full five gallons. You're still you're needing. Uh, usually, uh, I know my stove. I got a pretty good gas stove, and and it won't boil a full five gallons. So I would have to get a standalone, a bigger kettle, and a work chiller. So you're talking uh-huh. three pieces of equipment, which for uh, to go beer. to go. For, uh, and I agree. And and I and I want the better beer. And I'm not arguing that it's not a great <laughs> step. I'm just saying that. Just to move to mini mash, it's nothing. You got all the stuff sitting right there in your kitchen. Yeah, but I don't think and it'll if make you're not the ready to spend another, no. you're talking another hundred bucks. But at I, least. I think the mini mash won't make the impact. But you still have to go to full war boil soon. And the uh, I chiller agree, will I, make. and I want to do the same, but I don't but have a hundred bucks to spend on it right now. Exactly. I'm it's with Christ- you. Christmas is coming up. I know, but uh, I, you know what. I'll tell you what, the pennies are going elsewhere, especially at Christmas time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even an Daniela extra hundred... doesn't need a gift. And, and actually, let me point this out. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, You're not buying it for yourself. She's getting it for you because she loves you so much and she wants you to give it. I've, I've actually, boil. I've gotten... <laughs> There's number two! <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten emails about this before because we, we sometimes do this in here. And, and it's easier for some to say than others, oh, just buy the equipment. It's worth it. Buy it because it's worth the beer. Buy it. 
some homebrewers out there, and like I said, they've let me know in emails. They're like, hey, you know what? I'm doing with what I got, and it's all I got. And if I could throw the 100 bucks down on something else, believe me, I would. But I just can't. Uh, this is my hobby. It's every extra penny I got. So I'm just saying, in those instances where you where you don't even have an extra 50 bucks or whatever to throw down, there are small things that you can do that that at least makes it more creative and a little more fun. Sure. And for sure. me, that was going to mini mash. Maybe it wasn't the biggest difference in the world in my beer, but it was a lot more fun because it was an extra step and I got to experience the mash process. That's true, and it also prepares you if you want to go all grain later. It kind of gives you a hint of what all grain's like. A heads up. Yeah. No, and, no, no, that's a, that's a very good point. And I guess all, all I'm really saying is we got to be careful when we say, oh, hey, it's worth it because the beer's better because no one's arguing whether or not it's worth it. But really, some people don't even have another hundred bucks. That's true. Well, I, that's true. I let's, let's not and say again. you gotta go out and buy it tomorrow. Yeah. Get the mayonnaise jar. Put the buck in every week or yeah. whatever it takes to get it up there. You don't have to do it right away, but it will, we're talking about what's gonna make the biggest impact. It's a huge and impact. You're right. It's you're a right. big impact. Work up towards that. Um, I didn't start out with a, a brewing sculpture. I started out with buckets. Then yeah. I went to three buckets. Then I went to three buckets with uh, saw horses, <laughs> yeah. and um, I took my. I finally bought a big kettle. Yeah. Then I morphed that kettle into having things welded onto that one, and I just moved up and moved up and moved up. I remember, slowly. I was saying, stick with extract. Don't go to all grain. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're save, right. save that money for more ingredients to brew more batches. Right. You'll and do better brewing more batches than you or buying more yeast than you will. So, Jamila, you were saying you were saying full boil though was like a good step to go. That's a big. It's, that's a big step. It's a, it's a, it'll make a big impact. And, and some people's stoves and make could, yourself a, a, an immersion chiller. You know, get yourself a coil of copper somewhere. Well, some some, I, I, some people's stoves. Some people's stoves they can make them. I snuck, I snuck that in. Yeah, some people's stoves. Well, what I started doing was I would fit on two burners. Ah, and it, it did really help. And yeah, mine's not going to fit on two. What did you sneak in? Sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, tonight I had to make a trip to Home Depot for something for the house, and so I ended I ended up with a, a roll of copper. And Dang. Uh, and stuff. Nice, well, you know, if you nice. got a Costco or one of those types of places around there, they, this time of year they have turkey fryers with yeah, a burner. Those are cheap. And you can get it, and it's aluminum pot. It's fine. The, uh, don't it's, worry it's about the aluminum. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about should and, I do it in an aluminum pot. You can pot. do a full wort yeah. boil on a burner outside, and uh, you know you will you'll be surprised. It's yeah, usually seventy bucks. Yeah, I looked at it. it was that's the burner at and the, the Home pot. Depot. That's a burner and a pot. It doesn't and then have to you, be a stainless you know, steel pot. And you could always get a stainless steel pot later if you wanted, but yeah. I, I don't think it's really that necessary. Uh, that that's a big controversy too. Is uh, used to be always be no way, no how, no aluminum, and now it's like you know it's really not making that big a difference. Hey, Jamil's got a shirt to give away to you for calling in, and having a good time with us. Hey, cool. Thanks. Send me an email. You know the drill. It's Justin at the Brewing Network. Uh, just uh, give me your name. Tell us you were the caller, and uh, and give me your address. We'll send you a Sierra Nevada wheat beer shirt. Ah, cool. So uh, courtesy of Jamil Zanishef. Thank you. I thank you, Jamil. I just want to thank you guys too for uh, the show. It's really, it's been really great. It's really helped me out a lot. And uh, you know, and Justin, you know, last week, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. Uh, <laughs> one of those people that were slamming you. But I mean, I know how you feel because I'm hearing, I'm, I hear uh, a lot. You know that, you know, I've 
I, almost like once a week, somebody saying, uh, you know, you could be gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's nice to know that yeah, someone I mean, else is out my, there. I don't think my wife means it, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that skit on Saturday Night Live? It used to be with Dana Carvey, and it was called Lyle the Effeminate Heterosexual. <laughs> and basically his birthday would come around, and even his wife and daughter would buy him, like, male strippers for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the joke. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not gay uh hey thanks for your support i appreciate it <laughs> thank you guys catch you later bye-bye all right that's cool we to get our gay joke in there. <laughs> i appreciate that uh john you got more questions here you want to throw out well one one question for jamil and i think it'd be a good talk for him um you talk about leaving your your beer fermenting for longer periods of time um if you don't do that if you're going to do an ale or lager and you were to do a less amount of ferment time what are the effects and what are the potential off flavors that you might get from doing like a seven-week ale or a two-week lager, um, are there any off flavors or any type of aromas that might be produced that you might not want? And why do you leave your beer on your fermentation? So are you, are you saying mm-hmm. uh, if you do happen to leave it in a shorter amount of time, then what, yeah. what what's going to be produced? What happens? Yeah. I mean, why do you do that? Well, I, I think one of the things we had talked about earlier was um, you know why I don't do uh, you know secondary fermentation. Why don't why don't I pull the the uh, the beer off the yeast early, you know, at at one week, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, your primary's over in one week, and and what happens is, the yeast, uh, you know, they have that initial phase where they, uh, you know, they're working on the cell walls, and then they they go into the growth phase, and they're they're fermenting, and they're you know converting the the sugars over to alcohol and uh, CO two, and they're also producing a lot of other uh, intermediate uh, compounds and stuff. For example, acetaldehyde is one of the things you you, you and I had been talking about earlier. And uh, you know, acetaldehyde is like that green apple or fresh cut pumpkin uh, kind of uh, aroma that you'll find in uh, some beers. Uh, you know, Budweiser is supposed to be uh, uh, you know one of the, the named beers that has a lot of acetaldehyde. What acetaldehyde is? It's an intermediate step on the way to ethanol, okay. and uh, the yeast. So they produce a ton of acetaldehyde, and if if you do not let the yeast finish up what they're doing, if you pull the beer off the yeast, uh, you can end up with that green apple flavor. That's one of the reasons that I stopped doing secondaries because I was following the rule that everybody told you: oh, you need to do this number of days and then move it. And uh, everyone was telling me I had a green apple beer. Hmm. Well, I just stopped doing that and. Lo and behold, after just leave, letting the yeast sit with the beer, it converts the rest of that acetaldehyde over to uh, over to ethanol, and uh, you don't have that green apple issue anymore. Um, another one is um, uh, dimethyl sulfide. Was was the other one you were asking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, DMS dimethyl sulfide. It uh, comes really from uh, uh, the malt. So. Uh, you know, a lower kiln malt tends to have more DMS, uh, and more DMS precursor, uh, SMM, uh, S, uh, methyl, metha, methanine or whatever. Methionine. Methionine. And, uh, uh, so it's formed during the, the germination and the kilning. If they kiln it, uh, high enough, it converts over to DMS. Once it gets in your boil, DMS blows off pretty quickly and easily. The thing is, uh, grains with a high precursor content, um, you know, it gets converted in the boil. Um, you can get DMS uh, production from yeast, but it's very minor in the overall uh, scope of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, DMS, 
in the boil. You boil real hard. Uh, it drives it off. The half-life of DMS is about uh, 40 minutes. So a 90-minute boil, you know, they say a 100-minute boil is ideal for driving off the maximum amount of DMS, but a 90-minute boil is, is pretty much ideal for getting rid of DMS if you're doing all grain. Is that for loggers, though? Uh, yeah, well, anything with a yeah. light pilsner malt light base. Pilsner malt, um, six row malt has more DMS precursors mm-hmm. in it. Um, what what happens is um, uh, you're boiling that off uh, during the boil. The more you boil off, the better off you are. There's still going to be DMS precursors SMM in the in the wort when you're done boiling. Uh, the major production of DMS comes when you let your wort sit hot. So if you don't have a chiller, what happens is as long as that wort's sitting there uh, above and not boiling, as long as yes, it's not boiling. Not, not boiling off, making steam. And it's above 140 degrees, you're producing DMS out of the SMM. And whatever you produce in there, is, most of it's going to go into it, – it's all going to go into the, into the wort, and it's going to be in the beer. Uh, a good healthy fermentation will scrub some of that out. But at the end of fermentation, when you're no longer blowing off CO2 – uh, people believe you can lager a beer for a long time and get rid of DMS. You can't. DMS needs to be scrubbed out by CO2. It evaporates off. Or a boil. No, it's needs, or a boil. Out. It's going to be pushed out. It's, the yeast don't reabsorb it. The yeast don't, you know. So uh, that's that's one of the issues. What is SMM? Well, SMM is a precursor. It's, it's uh, what DMS is made from. Okay. And it's mostly made when you're malting your barley. And, but when you malt at a higher temperature, the, like uh, two-row, yeah, two or Munich or you know, pale ale malt, you don't get as much because it's driven off and it's killed off. Uh, well, the, yeah, and if they dry the malt hotter, over 140 hotter. degrees Fahrenheit, that'll drive some of it off. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, it'll oxidize, though, the DMSO yeah. um, and uh, sulfoxide. Uh, the problem is that can get converted back to DMS in your beer. Um, but the the thing to to note on, about this piece of uh, DMS is uh, see we didn't talk about uh, Justin didn't ask us what the hell is DMS. Yeah, my bad. It's that uh, <laughs> started into that. cabbagey uh, cooked vegetable kind of yeah. cooked yeah. corn kind of thing that we noticed in the Heineken. Yeah, because they use a real pale Pilsner malt that has a lot of DMS precursor in DMS. This is the problem with me learning things on this show, is that I stop asking dumb questions. (laughs) (laughs) And we just start right in. So, so, uh, you know, the the, the way where you get the most DMS in in your beer, the the major factor is you're not chilling your beer fast enough or your wort fast enough from boiling to below 140. Ah. So if you start out out already with a lot of SMM in there. Yeah. From from like a Pilsner right. malt or sure. whatever, and the what he's saying, kiln malts, the uh, you know Munich or uh, you know English pales won't won't have very much. And what he said, he's pushed it by at least four times tonight about having a chiller. Right, but does it, the cold break actually drop it out? It, it's does not. It settle out it's not that. Out? It's it's the matter no. that your wort is sitting at a hot temperature without boiling. The oh. hot temperature converts the SMN into DMS. Okay. DSNM DMS DMS and but. You're not boiling it to drive it back off again. Right, right. Okay. So if you can chill it down almost immediately down below 140, 40, you're, you're not converting the SMN in, in the uh, okay. DMS. Well, and that's one reason I love the uh, immersion Whirlpool chiller because it drops below 140 within a minute. Yeah. 
Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I, one of the reasons I stopped using uh, counterflow because the bulk of your wort sits there, you know, right. at 210 degrees most sure. of the time. Two hundred eight. The rest is passing through. Yeah, and it, so I've I've noticed a, a reduction in in that in uh, the pilsners and the last municalis I made. I tell you, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't bring any. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a clean keg, so Justin's going to help me out and clean out this keg I brought. Yes, today. sir. It'll be ready by tomorrow. <laughs> um, all right, here's the oh. thing, guys. It's we're working on eight o'clock. Wow, we got a lot to get to. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to you. If you're okay, we'll keep going. If not, uh, we're going to move. But we got two things. I got a handful of questions in my hand still, and we got a couple of really good segments I like that Doc brought that could help us out. But either one, we got to get through quickly. You guys want to just keep it moving and and move to Doc segments, or I think what we should do is call this show done. Okay. And now we're starting the next show, and uh, <laughs> and we'll just uh, we'll do another three hours. <laughs> yeah, easily. Uh, consider it two weeks. We didn't weeks even get from into now. nutrients and stuff. And we didn't even. Although I do have a question flavors. here. Since you mentioned that, I'll, I'll just, just a quick question. What do you suggest is the best yeast nutrient to use? Well, uh, I use uh, Servomyces every time, every time for the past uh, two or three years. Um, if you're doing a high gravity beer, yeah, uh, Fermade K uh, for high gravity uh, in in small metered amounts uh, throughout the the process can be good. And now Servomyces goes in the boil, while yes. Fermade K goes, goes in, in the fermenter after and how, what, how much a couple per of days. Five gallons. That's like a gram per yeah, gram per gallon. Gallon, but you you can split it up over. For wine, it's 10 grams per gallon yeah. for like eight gallons a must. Yeah. So for beer, I would do the same. I, you can't really overpitch it. So. Oh, you can. Really? I, I, it's, well, it's got you can taste night. that stuff, though. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, um, I but, used it in the bottom. But uh, um, uh, for me, K is good. Uh, you know, most of the nutrients, uh, you know, people use uh, Y yeast has a nutrient that's that's good. Uh I think uh, beverage people out in Santa Rosa, they produce a nutrient. Uh, most of the nutrients that uh, B3 cells, it's all good. Um, you know, I you just do have several to choose people. from. Huh? Yeah, there's, it's a it's home called br- beverage people. Yeah, it's a homebrew yeah. shop. Uh, it's a great name. Byron Birch. Yeah, it's, in, it's, it's, it's been a around home, a long, it's a homebrew long shop time. in Marin. The guy makes incredible meads. Some I wish that was the I've name of, of one of our shows all of a sudden. That's just a great name, beverage people. There I we like go. That. That's well, okay. We can call it that. <laughs> um, the uh, the uh, the thing about using a, a a dead yeast as part of your nutrient uh, is that you get the lipids and all that as well. Uh, and then there's diammonium phosphate. Uh, but uh, you know most most of the if you use an all grain wort um, or you know uh, all extract wort versus simple sugars, um, you're okay. Let so, me answer a couple. Servo. Couple yes. quick questions that I can answer for you. Uh, can listeners send beer to the Jamil show? Yes, they can. Send them to the same place. I'll make sure he gets them. In the future, if Jamil ends up wanting them sent to him, he'll post it on his own page that will be on the website and we can work it out. I think that it would way. be ideal too is we'll have the actual style shows up before. So oh, they yeah. can, like if we're doing American Pales, send it in like a week beforehand. Okay. So, so answer to that is yes. We will all the, just stay tuned to the Brewing Network. Uh, there will be a page up relatively soon, um, that's going to have all the information you need to know about the Jamil show. Cool. Under optimal conditions, what is the peak time on most ales? We talked about it early. The peak time, according to Jamil, is it's done when it's done. Check out your, uh, gravities and, uh, if it's not eating right. stuff anymore and it's, and it's stabilized, it's, it's probably done. You can, you can finish an ale out in, in three days fermentation easy. 
Okay. And then, uh, you know, it takes about a day or two. So minimum time is about four days for an average jail, but. There's your minimum. But, but you probably want to just uh, leave, let it sit for ten days. You know, if, if you if you need more beer, brew more often and have them staged. Yeah. Uh, when you swirl the yeast with sterile water, do the dry yeast settle out so that only uh, you decant the live yeast? And we talked about that earlier. Yesterday, uh, earlier, yes, they do separate. Uh, whether or not every bit goes down, I don't know. But uh, they separate, and the good stuff's on the top, and the crap's on the bottom. So. You'll see a definite line between the two. Uh, another quick one, if, if, if it can be quick, I hope. Uh, we talked about using, uh, dechlorinated water. How do you dechlorinate water? You can run it through a carbon block filter or a carbon filter, granular okay. filter. You can boil it too. Uh, yeah. if it, as yeah, long as it's not chloramines, if it's just chlorine that, uh-huh. that yeah. they put into it. Uh-huh. But like Doc uh, says, everybody's using chloramines now. Everybody's using chloramines now. Uh, there's tablets you can use, like for your fish, but I would right. rather run yeah, it through. I wouldn't a, use it. Yeah, you can use I'd Campton th- tablets as yeah. well, but. I would just uh, get yourself a, a water filter at uh, you know Home Depot or whatever your home store is, yeah. ten bucks, and run through I've, that, and you'd be. Fine. Um, I've got pictures of mine that I'll put up for the. I've got a whole your filter, filter or thing. Else. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, it'll be on the gadget show. When you say mine, it's a little. It's a gadget show. Is there? Uh, I'm just kind of rapid firing here, guys. Mine, yeah. I know there's. I know there's no format. For uh, is there <laughs> anything else to uh, to use besides rice holes to unstick a mash that's stuck? Thinner mash, the thinner. Well, and you can uh, you can you know pump back against the uh, against the flow. So if you've been running your mash out one direction, you yeah. can either pump it back up or you can blow on it or I whatever. Pu- I push CO two back through the bottom, and it doesn't really work that great. Yeah, take take. But you're, a, you're freaking out, so you're take, trying anything you can. Take a spoon can. or a or a yardstick and I've done cut, that cut down through the mash. You leave the bottom inch or two intact but just cut a bunch of slots through it and it'll start running okay all right it's 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 freak time when your mash sticks though you want to we're going to do one or the other you want to do the judges cards or you want to you want to go through building a recipe with jameel um i want to do build a recipe with jameel okay uh while we're getting ready to do that, 888-401-BEER. We're here with Jamil Zanishef. We're going to do Stump the Brewer right now because i got two more things to give away, courtesy of Jamil Zanishef. Brought him in to give away to you. I've got one question here that came through as a regular question that I think has got to be a Stump the Brewer question. It's such a – I'm going to ask it. Just, I'm just looking at this thing going, is, is this not Stump the Brewer? You know, I participate in the chat room, and I see those questions coming through. I'm like, oh, thank <laughs> God they're not asking me these questions. I don't know the I'll hold on to that just in case. 888-401-BEER. Uh, I have two things to give away. So I'll take one caller, and I'll take one chat. Uh, you know the way it works. Basically, the first one Daniela hands over to me, as long as it's good, goes through to stump the brewer. Okay. Uh, Doc had a great idea to come in here and, and go through building a recipe with Jamil. What does Jamil do when he sits down and, and thinks about building a recipe? Yeah, I think it has to do with uh, what do I want, what what are my ingredients going to give me, and what am I going to do to make it a well-balanced beer. And uh, I want a little more of this, a little more of that, and why and how much of this I put into it. Well, I think a, a good point about what you're saying is uh, balanced beer because, uh, you know, I think all the, all the different kinds of beers in the world uh, that people enjoy, they enjoy them because they're – they have a certain balance to them mm-hmm. and a certain character and, and being able to achieve that is, is what makes them great. They're all totally different, but you know, they, when they're done right, they're magical. Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. It's, it's, 
it's a, you, you, how many times you sucked in a beer and go, mm, that's too sweet. You don't like it because it's not balanced. Mm. Uh, or somebody put way too much caramel malt into it. It's just like you just chew on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have a beer that's just, just, just perfect all the way through. And a lot of it starts out with the grain bill. Right. And most of what we were talking about tonight was the process of fermentation. Uh, get make sure the yeast is happy and getting that part done right. But, yeah. But let's back it up a little bit and let's get into the grain bill. So did you guys pick a style? Yeah, we did. Okay. What do you got? Uh, do we want to go with the Schwartz beer or do we want to go with? Uh, well, I think the Schwartz beer and the Kolsch. I mean, we had it two illustrates two two different yeah. aspects of the same thing. We, we had okay. we had two to deal with. Uh, the Kolsch because it's a Kolsch is so simple yet so delicate. Okay. And there's uh, things you need to do to get that done. And then a Schwartz beer. Uh, it's a dark beer, but there's things you don't want in it that dark beers have. So let's start with a Kolsch. So, okay. uh, you and I want to brew a Kolsch this weekend and we're saying, okay, well, you know, here's this, this great commercial example. We really enjoy it. And right. That's great. And, uh, you know, what's in it? It's got, oh, you know, it's got this maltiness and it's got this, uh, you know, a, a crisp character to it and it's got, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and, and how do we go about it? And, and we've read quite a bit on Kolsch, and it, it runs a gambit, but pretty much they're all just Pilsner malt. And traditionally some have wheat. Now, wait a minute. I want to throw in some other grains. Can I throw in some Munich? Throw in some Crystal? I No, throw, no. Throw in some roast barley? This is You could, but again, it would be just <laughs> beer. It would not be a Kolsch. It, it won't give you what you want. Right. Your idea of a Kolsch is going to be a very delicate, very light ale. And it's going to be just a hint of fruitiness, but crisp. And if you start throwing in Munich, you start throwing in Crystal, uh, it's going to be a lot darker. It's going to be a lot more sweet. Things you don't want to have in there. I think even the color of a Kolsch is your first indicator right there about your grain bill, But isn't right? it going to be too simple if we just use Pilsner no. malt and wheat? Of course not. <laughs> There's no such thing. No, because... Although we tend to think so all the time. It can't be so simple. Right. But it is the, sometimes it is simple is simple. good. Yeah. It's, it's the kiss principle. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. Somebody I like that. Somebody recently asked me for my uh, North German Pilsner recipe. Uh, I said, "Well, it's Pilsner malt and hops, and you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's all it is." I don't know how many times I've gone into John at B three with uh, like sort of the outline of what I think my recipe is, and I always know that's not what I'm going to come home with. I always ask John, and so many times he 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 tells me what I should actually go, and, and every time I go. That's it? Because <laughs> well, right. so, I so, so overcomplicate it. Oh, so many homebrewers want to put the kitchen sink in there. Right. And for some beers, it works. But let's, let's, and the reason we pick Kolsch, it's, it's an extreme on one end of the beer. Okay. You can't get a, a 3 SRM putting anything in it pretty much but Pilsner and okay. maybe some wheat. So the, the character of the Kolsch versus, so we have a Kolsch, which is Pilsner malt and maybe 10% wheat. We have a North German Pilsner, which is just Pilsner malt, and they're two totally different beers, and a lot of it comes from the process, right? Right. Right. We're going to want to uh, ferment it at a warmer temperature. We're not going to ferment it at 48. We're going to ferment it, and I, it says the cold yeast likes 65. It works really good at 60, 62. 62. Yeah. It works really good at 62, <laughs> so don't freak out about pushing it down. What is the cold yeast? Uh, it's a it's a separate yeast. Uh, it's a German ale yeast. Mm-hmm. It's a separate yeast from White Labs. White uh, Labs. Y yeast. Right. Uh, it's an ale yeast. Okay. So you can ferment those, it yeah. 
at uh, ale temperatures. And okay. It, it gives a really nice characteristic. Crisp, slightly fruity. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to have a lot of fruity. You'll get – it's just not what you're looking for. You're looking at just a hint of fruitiness. Okay. And the malt background. Uh, and what about mash temp? Um, you want to have it uh, – I like a lower mash temp. Yeah, low because you I, want it to you want it to ferment out. And I want be it crisp. to ferment out. So I did a, I did a uh, one forty six, one forty seven, because I wanted it to ferment down low. I wanted to have a drier beer. How does how does that temperature affect whether it ferments low or not? It has to do with which enzymes you're you're favoring okay. one way or the other. So okay. uh, if you're favoring having a maltier, thicker beer, you want to have a higher mash temp. If you want to have a thinner, more dry beer, you want to have it in the lower range. Yeah. In, in the you know, high But with 40s. that yeast, it won't be so thin either. It'll, you know, and it won't dry out quite that much. Right. But it'll be crisp, but not cloying. So you're you're, you're looking at uh, offsetting your mash temperatures to have a very fermentable uh, grain bill, and the yeast isn't quite as attenuative, so it's not going right. to dry it down. So we need Pilsner malt, wheat malt. We'll figure like 10% wheat malt because that's that's yeah. gives it a little body and a little head and. Uh, yeah, adds a nice bradiness. All right. Here's yeah. what I think is happening here between the two of you is that you both know exactly – you've both brewed a Kolsch, and, and you know where you're coming from, and you know the style, and John uh, – and, and Doc's read the style. I've uh, brewed several Kolsch. Okay. Yeah. But I got no idea where you guys are starting. I, I don't know why you say you only need pills and 10% wheat. I don't know why you that, need 10% that's tra- wheat. That's traditional. Well, and where did you yeah. find that out? So that that's a traditional – BJC – the BJCP style guides – yeah, you know, again, a, a good plug for this is, you know, they're free. Yeah, and you have the collective intelligence of some of the greatest beer judges and brewers in the world contributing to this thing to kind of uh, define what, you know, uh, what the the best examples of the style are and where they range, and they'll give you hints on ingredients, the history, you know, what the character should be, hoppy wise or multi wise, things like that. And it's just a fantastic resource for free. Download okay. it, read through that. There's books on Kolsch. Go to go to Cologne and uh, you know drink the drink the beer. Right. One, one good of the idea. One of the know. best uh, books that I've I've read as far as styles is Ray Daniels' book, Building, designing designing great, designing great, great beers. beers. Yeah, it's and, absolutely fantastic. And that will tell you the history of Kolsch, what goes into a Kolsch, and the range of what happens with Kolsch. And, and some are all Pilsner, some mm-hmm. are more wheat, some have less. Mm-hmm. Okay. And kind of what even, you know, the, the the range of what won for the AHA. But again, you know, as, you know, you you look through the descriptions, you look through, you drink some samples and, you know, talk to other brewers, and then you see it's, well, it's a really light color beer. Yeah. I'm not going to throw a lot of other roasted grains or caramel grains in it. That's what I was getting to earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, you know, what kind of beer are you trying to make? And yeah. this is one of the reasons to understand the styles and to try and brew beers to style because then you're going to learn when you go off saying, yeah, I want this, uh, you know, super caramelly, uh, light colored, you know, this, you know, hoppy beer. You know how to make that happen, regardless uh, if anybody else is brewing it. That's fine. Right. You, you brew what you like, but you'll understand how to to go about doing it. That's a great point, actually. Just because then you can go off the wall. You don't have exactly. to care. But if you got to know how to do it, if you're thinking right. about it, you got to know how to make that happen. Well, well and part exactly. of it for me has always been uh, researching what makes this a Kolsch, what yeah. makes this a pale ale, what makes this, mm-hmm. and what I look at a lot of different recipes. 
and I kind of formulate, you know, what what most what happens in most of them, what what's going on with most of them, and what gets me there. Yeah, I've just been concerned with what makes this bad so far with my beers. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't gotten well. <laughs> well, Kolsch is, is is tough to brew. It's a light beer. It hides nothing. Yeah. Well, how about making our Kolsch with uh, you know, twelve percent alcohol? Well, that's not going to cut it either because of the high alcohol content is going to give us a whole flavor profile we don't want. Okay. And more esters. And, and more esters. And it's going to stress the yeast, which we don't want. Pause for one sec. I think we got to stump the brewer here, and then we'll get right back to it. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, it's Beer Pal. Hey, oh, good old <laughs> Beer Pal. Yeah. What's happening, buddy? Uh, just trying to get you guys back on to stump the brewer, that's all. No, that's good. Actually, I'm glad uh, you called, too, because uh, one of the prizes we have is is for a local only. It's uh, it's a gift certificate for uh, the Albatross in Berkeley. Oh, awesome. So uh, I forgot to mention that because I'm an so, idiot. So, Matt, how'd your beer turn out today? A uh, couple of points low on the uh, uh, starting gravity. Okay. But, but um, I think it's going to... I mean, it's already percolating away, so the you know the starter kicked off quick and uh, cool. I think it's gonna. I think it's yeah, gonna be all right. Although we did, I think I'm gonna call it. I think I'm gonna call it my white label amber. And yeah. The reason the reason is, uh, Dick Fox was um, pouring the extract into the kettle, and he dropped the the jar in. Nice. And the little label, the B3 label, came off. It took us about <laughs> half an hour to get it out of the work. <laughs> well, around in there, we could not get it why'd out. Why'd you bother getting it out? It's extra fiber. <laughs> he, he was drinking when I got there. That's all green, really. A little ink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about the, the glue, but oh well. Uh, <laughs> now you, we'll ate, you ate paste in it'll, dinner. Yeah, it'll <laughs> flock out. No big deal. <laughs> That's funny. You got a stumper, then? I do. What do you got? Oh, God. Come on. Be easy on me. All right, Jamil. What did I brew today? <laughs> uh, white label amber. Yeah. Oh, God damn it! I give it away. Ah, uh, you don't even get that. I, I, that was. I don't really have a stumper. I was just joking. I wanted to. Uh, to, give it to me the anyways. guys in the chat room were jonesing for you guys to get back onto the stump the brewer. So I thought I better. I, I figured that might be the case. <laughs> here, here I am wasting all your uh, your precious phone time. I know there's only one line. Probably everyone else trying to get in. Oh yeah, everybody. Yeah, they've been going all night. <laughs> We've just been like hitting that button, kicking them off. That's hey, cool. The, Thanks, beer pal. The guys in the chat room yeah. freaked out about the Jamil show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Daniela underplayed it. It was the the response was overwhelming. Ah, uh, that's good. Yeah, so we're really excited. Looking forward to that. It'll be an immediate immediate success. No, oh, I'm wondering if we're gonna have any listeners left on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> if people have to if people have to bide their family time between Sunday and Monday, I'm wondering what's right. gonna happen. Anybody shot yourself in the foot? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's okay. We're glad to have more info on the station. So. Cool. Thanks, Beer Pal. All right, guys. Talk to you later. See you, buddy. Bye. All right. Well, I guess he doesn't get the uh, the Albatross. No, Although we should give it to him. He does. He's, he does a lot for us in the forum. So let's give it to him. Okay. Let's, let's give it to him anyway. So that means I got one stump the brewer, and this is the first one to come through anyway. So here you go. And it's going to be for a White Labs a certificate for a vial of yeast. It's a free vial of yeast, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, every dollar counts. So this is a goodie right hey, here. Gotta uh, start your starter from something. Yeah, that's right. Okay. What, Doc? I don't need to turn you off, right? Oh, no. I, I moved back away from my microphone. <laughs> what two hops are used in nearly all Australian mega beers and are needed if one was to clone an Australian style beer? Well, I knew the Pride of Ringwood. The Golden Cluster might have uh, stumped me. 
<laughs> I saw the answer on the back of the card. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, he gets it then because Jamil cheated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I would have answered Pride to Ringwood. Yeah, that's you would have. I that's yeah. what I, that's the one I knew. It's and the I, only I, Australian hop I knew, and I didn't know the other one. So I don't Perfect. know about you guys, but both the Pride of Ringwood and Golden Cluster sounds a little gay. <laughs> yeah, neither one of those <laughs> sounds like a hop to me. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like something around your yeah. private part. Yeah, yeah. Pride, Pride of Ringwood. <laughs> yeah. Pride of Ringwood definitely sounds like a sexually transmitted disease, and. uh well, for that matter, so does the Golden Cluster. Not <laughs> yeah. the other end. Yeah. Uh, all right, whoever that is in the forum, they won. Well, of course, it was Oz, but he's going to donate the shirt to... It's not a shirt. Not well, a see, if I had said Pride of Ringwood, you would have given it to what me. What is it? I would have, but not if you're going to uh, cheat. Well, I knew it was Pride of Ringwood. <laughs> it's a yeast vial. It's a it's a vial of yeast, a free vial of yeast. Oh, that's cool. So it's gonna go to G. Foster. You know him, right, John? Yeah, Gary. Yeah, oh, cool. we drank his beer today, right? Yeah. Didn't he get the shirt? Who Gary. got the shirt? Uh almost the other guy. Oh wait. No, uh the person who called in got the yeah. shirt, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Gary yeah, so Gary didn't in. receive anything Gary yet. Gary didn't so call in. Cool. No. He called in. He did, he did call, call in. Gary he had the porter. But that's not the one who got the shirt, right? No, that's not the one who got the shirt. Okay. <laughs> wow. wow, that's like the toughest riddle we've had to solve in weeks. <laughs> shirt, shirt, who had the shirt? Yeah. Man. Uh, all right, then we'll give Beer Pal the uh, certificate to the Albatross anyway. He does uh, do some good work. Uh, w- since we're doing that, uh, kind of on the same topic, I, I want to mention real quick because it's been brought to my attention. I, I had thought about this before, um, but I-, I received an email about it. Sometimes people are put off by the regulars that are on the show because we definitely have people that hang out with us all the time and and, and people that are regulars in the chat room and, and people that call in. And, and we talk about them. Uh, they're friends of the show, and, and, and we like that. And uh, not that people are offended by them, but uh, I want others of you to know who've never called in and who maybe don't participate actively in the chat room that, uh, you know, it, it's all, it's everybody's participation and, and everybody just getting as much out of the show as they can that's important to us. So just because we, we do have regulars and people that call in, uh, we, we try our best not to favor anybody. I hope yeah. it doesn't come across that way as if we're, we're favoring this or favoring that. Uh, they just add to the show because they call in, and that's not for everybody. Not everyone wants to be on the air. It's just and, familiarity, uh, and and that's all it is. It is. So uh, I'm gonna try my I'm gonna try a little harder to be aware of 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 how it how it how it feels that that we've got people that we talk to all the time and that are buddies, and that that we've got lots of you out there who who don't call in, and uh, you know you're just as much a friends to the show as anybody because everybody tuning in really helps us out, especially as we push into January and uh, and try to get things paid for a little more around here so that we can bring you more shows every single one of you is very important to us and 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 you're all helping just by tuning in yeah. or downloading and we know you're out there and we do know you're out oh, there yeah. i pay it i sit here the entire show and and try to monitor what's happening both in the chat as far as people there and and, and both and our listeners too so that i can move topics along if you guys start to bail on us mm-hmm. or whatnot and Every one of you is important. So I just, I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable like you can't call in that it's only our friends or only people who have called in before. Man, you jump right in that chat room. It's a friendly bunch in there. Well, and call in and you treat them like, you know, they're, you know, 
Everybody's the king of beers. It doesn't matter who, you know, call in and you'll be treated exactly the same way. That's right. So just real quick, maybe it didn't need to be said. I just, I had seen some posts and emails about it and I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that uh, you're all welcome here. And well, it's cool that we got to answer a lot of questions of the new chat room um, people today. You really got a bunch of questions of them answered and I think that's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, I want to say Matt not- offends me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beer Pal's the only one. Uh, that yeah, but it's not like the familiar guys get their own like line in here. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, anybody. Yeah. Call. That's right. There's only one line, and they don't have any special number. It's all 888-401-BEER. And so. everybody can send me a private message, too, if it makes it more I'm comfortable sure they, for I'm, them. I'm sure they would. Oh, that's yeah. right. If you don't, that's uh, number three. <laughs> if you don't want to talk to everybody in the chat room, and, and that's okay. I mean, you know, like not everybody, especially when you, when you get into tuning into something like this, it's on the Internet. Not everyone's like a real Internet-savvy person before that's they true. run across a cool show that they're happy about homebrewing. And so all of a sudden there's chat rooms and, and streaming audio and, you know, and, and you're not so involved in that. And, and that's me. Like, uh, I'm not before a chat I started doing web radio, I was not internet savvy at all. So uh, I've just sort of developed along with it too. And, uh, well, don't worry about whatever. the chat room guys either. Cause, uh, guys and gals, cause they're, they're really nice too. If you've never been in a chat room before. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get a like a virus or anything, and they're not going <laughs> to. If you do something stupid, they won't even say anything about it. The, right. the only thing I've ever seen anybody comment on is hey, you picked a color that's hard to read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I'm getting reamed. On I just it's now. funny. Like sometimes though, when you when you when you log into the chat room, you know they could have been going on for a half an hour already. When you log in, yeah. you don't see any of that. Yeah. So right when you log in, you could end up seeing posts in our chat room that are like "f you" and "you're a homo" and "screw this" and, <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa, what's happening in here?" And all it is They're is very it, nice. You bro. know how homebrewers are; they like to make fun of and each other. For us on the air, we see none of that. Yeah, I don't yeah. see Danielle sees it all. Caller, you're on the air. <laughs> what's up, guys? What's up? Hey, how are hey. you? I am pretty good. Um, you know, what the hell with this Jamil show now on Mondays, man? You mean to tell me now that not only do I have to not go to work on Mondays, but now I can't go to work on Tuesdays either because I'm going to be so drunk? That's yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know. That's what we were worried about. I warned now, you. Now, now I've got to pay my mortgage on three days of work a week. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, (laughs) i know it i know it and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you right now there's gonna be other stuff unveiled over the next couple weeks too so uh, you're not gonna ever be able to work yeah it's gonna be give it up yeah people are gonna have to figure out how to just listen at work or drink at work both (laughs) it should be legal like you like you're doing right now i lost you there for a second (laughs) right uh uh, yeah, we're here. You got us? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my phone kind of dropped there for a second. Oh. I had actually a question for Jamil there. Go for it. Um, I remember hearing even just a few weeks ago uh, on this show about the beer dating and the freshness and all that, and then Jamil was talking about how he had a beer that was about five years old and it was great. Um, in his experience, what's the best uh, uh, you know time for aging ales? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a very complex question, and, uh, you know... Uh, uh, at one point, I had a, I brewed my very first Scottish sixty ale, which is really low alcohol, low low flavor beer, and I I tried it and it was gassy and it was just just horrible. And for some reason, I left the keg there for like a year and I came back, and it had this beautiful head and clean flavor. It was just fantastic, and that taught me that you know. Uh, the the popular theory of well you know ales go quick and lagers you need to leave for a long time uh, certain lagers you got to drink quickly before they go bad right. um 
you know, the, the, I think Dan Gordon was saying the same thing. It's like, well, if you leave a beer cold, if you keep it cold and stable, mm. uh, it will last for a long, long time. It will not go bad. And, uh, well, it's I'm not interesting. necessarily wor- worried about it going bad because it doesn't last. Mm. Well, it's interesting. Bad, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta let it sit and try little bits here and there. Uh, most beers, um, I, I mean, my, I think my over favorite, the course of two years, they really, really start to become something special. Hmm. Yeah, see, my favorite are American pale ales, and I was kind of just wondering where they where they peak at. Uh, and that's uh, a that's knew. a that's a kind that needs uh, you know the fresh hop flavor and uh, and the kind of the brassy uh, you know hop flavor and uh, yeast character and malt character and those are those are a quick beer. Those are those are beers you got to yeah. Okay. That, that's like you know two months, six months. So you can't okay. go two years in a pail; it's going to degrade. You can, but it, it really just you know the caramel gets kind of flabby and the uh, hops drop out, and uh, it's just not that good. Okay. It, it, a lot of it's how you treat your beer. Uh, yeah. Like Dan was saying, the, the the brew on date is really important to them because it could sit on the palate somewhere. Right. Jamil, I don't think he's ever had a beer that he's. Ever let go above forty? <laughs> right, I have. No. <laughs> well, the, but the thing is, like, uh, uh, I brewed a. Uh, it was like a Munich Helles or, a, or we you know it was a uh, Bohemian Pilsner, and it uh, went up in competition against the the late great George Fix, who I love very dearly, hmm. and uh, who knew just tons about brewing, and uh, I won, and hmm. I'm just stunned. I mean, you know, it's like my brewing god, and. Uh, you know that that beer was good that month, and in six months it wasn't any good. Okay. Uh, bow, bow pills, you know this thing about loggers needing to you know wait a long time. Uh, bow pills uh, is good for about six months. That's one of those odd ones. That, hmm. uh, you know certain things like uh, most of the roasted beers with a lot of roasty flavor, those yeah. last a long, long yeah. time. Um, I was doing some reading about the, the melanoidin beers, how they yeah, have a lot of lot of to protect, a lot of prote- flavor protection stuff in the mm-hmm. more caramely, roasty yep. kind of kind of beers. Right, but they like will a, last a lot longer. Like a pale so beer with that. just caramel doesn't do very well. Yeah, so the the stouts and the browns and stuff like that go ahead and age them off for quite a long time and uh, yeah, try uh, let them try them every once in a while. And, yeah, you'll you'll okay. tell when it peaks. You'll be able to tell when it peaks and when it starts going down. Keep notes. And, and on top well, of it, you got to. The only tr- problem is I sample too often, so yeah. <laughs> well, you That's gotta, what I'm thinking. You got to put away a case, right? Yeah. If you're going to oh, keep yeah. trying it, yeah. Yeah. and you got to you got to treat them nice. You can't let them go up and down. You can't leave them in the garage warm. You got to put them at a stable temperature is most important. And then uh, you know if that stable temperature could be below forty, yeah, they'll last for years. Yeah, that's a stable temperature right there. <laughs> 98 degrees. <laughs> right, right, right in your mouth, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm keeping my beer temperature. Point six. 98.6. Oh, yeah. point six. <laughs> uh, all right, fair all right, enough. Well, thanks for that, guys. All right, see you, Crotch. Hey. All right. All right, we're going to get out of here. That's it, huh? You guys are spent. Uh, don't worry. Fear not, even though there's more questions and more things to get to. Jamil's coming in January. Uh, it's not too far away. All the details will be posted on thebrewingnetwork.com. There will be his own page. Plus, you can be sure I'm going to be putting a blurb up on the front page, and we'll keep you up to date. It's still being developed, but as Jamil told you earlier, uh, what these two are going to do, Jamil and John, is uh, go through a different beer style each week and talk about it from A to Z and get you guys to really know the ingredients and what they do 
And uh, they'll be taking callers just like this one and uh, podcasts, archives, the whole bit. So we'll keep you up to date on the brewingnetwork.com and and we're real excited to have you doing that for us, Jamil. That's awesome. Great. Thank and you. I'll I'll, I'll get on the forums and I'll answer the questions that didn't get answered. Okay. Cool. I know there was a list of them and all. Can I post some for you too? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't type that much. You ask the the, the more complex <laughs> questions. Sorry. Just like. ask him here. Uh, no, but we'll save that for later. Man, I don't know how these other shows uh, only go for like an hour. I mean, what do you, what would we have done in an hour? Nothing. We would have just gotten done tasting our first patch of beer (laughs) in an hour, you know? Well, I remember when we started this gig, it was like, oh, two hours, you know, that's max, you know, two hours. Yeah, and I was frantically planning for content at that point. And now (laughs) I'm like, if there's no, if there's no, like, set plans for the week, I'm like, don't worry about it, man. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're okay. <laughs> we might finish on time. If we, have, if I don't plan a thing, we might finish on time. <laughs> it's about the worst that would happen. So, uh, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we got some talking to do about that show tonight. And, uh, like I said, we'll keep you posted. Real excited about that. John is too. I am. I'm stoked. It's, it's going to be, be good. It's going to be a good year. He's and, uh, stay tuned for other things too. We're going to unveil some of our other surprises. We got some good tricks up our sleeve. John's been hard at work on some of that. And, um, you guys are going to be happy. You're going to be real happy with uh, 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 the Brewing Network in January of 2006. Yes. You too, Doc. Cool. But you're always happy. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Daniela? No show next week. Thank you. There is no show next week. Say it uh, happier. Dr. Scott, good night. <laughs> what do yeah. you mean by that? I am sorry to say that. Check the events page. There is no show next <laughs> week. Uh, it is our Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, by our, I mean people that live in the United States, uh, although we're leaving the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, happily, we're leaving the United States. Yeah, we're out of here for a week, and uh, I'm sorry about that. I, I hate to miss a show. It's only the second show we've ever missed since june since june june 5th. so i don't feel too bad but uh, i am sorry we'll miss it um there will be no show in its place there's not going to be any special show or anything like that because our automation software is not uh, uh working properly so i can't set it to play so there's right. nothing nothing what i'll probably do is uh i'm going to put all the archives in rotation nice. sort of randomly so pretty much if you tune in any time after wednesday you're just going to get random archives playing on the, on the thing cool. so at least we'll have something going uh won't be here next week the week after that though we've got our first east coast brewery uh via telephone uh, kind of east coast i guess pennsylvania no, no? Uh, from Green, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Titletown Brewing Company. Ah, my fault. It's Titletown Brewing Company. Eric Watson. Watson yeah. Eric Watson from Titletown Brewing Company. He's going to call in, uh, probably uh, just after we do our tasting at six o'clock, or we'll have him on for that something, and we'll do this. He'll he'll be on on the air from six to seven with us mm-hmm. next week. So. Uh, our first out of California phone in interview. Yeah. That's cool. That'd be fun. And uh, that's going to lead us up to Charlie Papazian Uh-oh. doing the same thing the week after. His new book is coming out too. So, yeah. Microbrewed Adventures. That's right. Yeah. If you don't know Charlie Papazian, check out uh Charlie's a great guy. He is yeah. good uh, known as the godfather of home brewing. Mm-hmm. Although I think Jamil's quickly uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> He's the second son. Yeah, he doesn't have as many Charlie. publications quite yet. He's a new but, godfather. Uh, you got some time left, Jamil. Charlie, I got faith in Charlie's you, buddy. Charlie's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's still a home brewer at heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, actually. Wasn't he, in fact, he's going to send us some of his home for that show. See? I tell you, we're going to critique it too. That's cool. Fact, that's awesome. We've only had one brewer in here who's who's sort of gone pro that's brought us their homebrew also. That was um, John Dunahauer yeah, last week. Porter. He brought us his awesome. homebrewed yeah. porter. That was nice. That was and, a big uh, growler. Yeah. That was good. Nice. 
Yeah, it's real good. Best beer they make. It's homebrew. Best beer they don't make. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Good <laughs> chill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good time. Jamil, thanks for coming in. Yeah. And uh, lots more of you to come. Thanks for part, having me. Part yeah. four next year, 2006. That's right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. Um, I'm glad that you, you stuck around with us, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks' time. Sorry about the break. Two weeks. Week 25 we are on right now. Ooh. You like that? Thanks, everybody. Coming in January, the Brewing Network is proud to present the Beer Style Show. Hosted by the most award-winning home brewer ever. <laughs> Jamil Zainashef. Each show will give you the best in understanding BJCP style guidelines. You gotta honestly look at it, try it, you know, and evaluate it and say, no, it's, it's actually, you know, a, a better beer in this style. And that's, again, goes to, you know, understand the BJCP uh, style guide. Competition advice. One of the things in competition that you have to do is you have to brew a good beer, a really good beer. So the bigger the, the, the competition, the, yeah. the better beer you have to brew as a base. Experienced homebrew tips. You know, one of the things about process, some of the, a lot of these beers, um, mash temp is a difference of just a few degrees one way or another, but it makes, uh, you know, a dramatically different beer. The science behind the process. What you want to pitch is one million cells per milliliter of wort per degree Plato. And brewcaster John co-hosting is sure to keep Jamil on his toes. Yeah, I believe that you need temperatures to help grow you. I, I, think, yet, I think John... John, you can make even better beer. What's on, Jamil? The Beer Style Show with Jamil Zanishef and John Plisse. Coming to the Brewing Network in 2006. Stay tuned to www.thebrewingnetwork.com for details.
me a wheat beer and I'll have some a day. A bark will do me when the skies are gray. I'll take a Belgian brew at a time and the women think the lamb big fine. But don't you give me that American crude, boys, I want a real homebrew. Homebrew, don't you really love a better homebrew? Can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all the time. Yeah, I think I'll have me, well, I'm the one right now. Love of that home brew, can't get enough of it. Home brew, it blows my 